Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Well, the Utah Jazz do it again. They win. They're off to a 3-0 start, and that is a good thing. However, and there's always a however, isn't there? However, it does come with this one footnote. They beat the Nuggets without the MVP. Nikola Jokic banged knees with Rudy Gobert in the second quarter. Jokic looked like he was in a lot of pain. He went to the locker room. He came back out, tried to give it a go, warming up, and the Nuggets decided not to play him in the second half. It looked precautionary. It looked like he was moving pretty well. We'll probably know more about it in a day or two. I think he banged knees. If you've played basketball, probably other sports too, you've done that. It really hurts when you do it, but there's no long-term damage. That's probably what it is. Now, he did get hit a little from the side. Could that have tweaked an MCL or something? Sure it could have. We'll find out in the next couple of days. But the Jazz in the second half didn't have to face Jokic. He had 24 points in the first half. He also had like six rebounds and six assists. He was playing great. The Jazz went on a run when he sat down. Um, and they led by a couple points at halftime. That changed in the second half. Really the fourth quarter. The third quarter, the, the Nuggets hung in there. Uh, but the Jazz pulled away and won comfortably in the fourth quarter. But without Jokic... And, of course, Murray's gone. I mean, that's those two players right there, that's $61 million. That's like a half a payroll. <laughs> so it's a win, and that's great, but it's not beating the Nuggets, which would have been a bigger deal because the Nuggets look like one of the best teams in the West. So there is that. There'll be other games. There'll be other tests. Uh, the next game is not a big test. It's at Houston Thursday, and the Jazz should win that, and they should go to 4-0. Now, you can say, well, they're not beating anybody who's any good. They're better than all these teams. That's true, but also one of the cool things about being one of the best teams in the league is you are a lot better than other teams, and you do have a lot of easy games. If you're kind of middle of the pack, well, then you're the Lakers in overtime with the Spurs. Now, LeBron James didn't play, had an ankle injury. Or ankle pain, anyway. And so uh, he sat, and the Lakers won in overtime without him. So they got their win. All right, we got more to get to. We got to get to some college football next. Frank Dolce talking about the youth. We got the best of the Jazz post game show coming up. Stay with us. It's game week for the Aggies, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. Huh! Huh! It's back-to-back home games for Utah State as Blake Anderson and the Aggies square off against Hawaii in Maverick Stadium. Listen all week long for your chance to win tickets to the game and then catch all the play-by-play action beginning with the Aggie pregame show Saturday at noon. From Monday morning to all the play-by-play action, nobody brings you better coverage of Aggie football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. We are joined by Frank Dolce, Ute Insider and Analyst for The Zone Sports Network. Frank joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. Utah will be in a drought next summer. Smart Rain knows the 2022 budget planning for most businesses is underway. Take advantage of their Save Now, Pay Later promotion and do your part by saving water while saving money. Check out Best of State Award winner Smart Rain at smartrain.net. Frank, good morning. Good morning, DJ. Good morning, PK. Hello. Hope you guys are well. Yeah, I'm feeling. We great. are well. I did. I did 50 push-ups this morning, like uh, Westbrook does when he wakes up each morning to get his body in condition. So I am ready to go, Frank. How many push-ups do you do during the day or during a week? Would you say? Uh, let's see. I did them today. I did 50. So about 50. Would 50 also be like if you 
took the last several weeks and counted up all your push-ups, would 50 still be the number? Yeah. What you're saying is, is 50 code for zero? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) No, I did 50 this morning. My pecs are feeling great. We're moving forward. So you did 50 today, and now we're moving forward. Now you can do 50 tomorrow or the next day. I mean, you're on a roll. (laughs) Thank you. I'm trying to get rid of the rolls. (laughs) (laughs) Man. Isn't that the dumb thing about getting old? I know. It's like you do double the work, half the result, and triple the recovery time. <laughs> I know. I graduated high school at 140. I couldn't put a pound on me to save my soul <laughs> when I needed it did then. Guys, did you guys happen to see this, the uh, series on Showtime called, uh, was it called Four Kings or The Kings? I don't know. Didn't see it. With with Roberto Duran and Thomas Hearns and Marvelous Marvin Hagler and Ray Leonard, Sugar Ray Leonard. Yeah, I'm aware of them. Four-part series. What was it about? Well, I'm. Yeah, it was just about those four guys and their careers and how they intertwined. And uh, I would, I, I, I would highly recommend it. It's cool. like I grew up in that era, so yeah. I, I, it was kind of you know, hearkening back. But I, you just mentioned that you were 140 pounds. And I never knew it, but like those guys who were these unbelievable professional boxers, like they weighed in at like 140 pounds. Yeah. I, I, it, it just never dawned on me that they were that, you know, they were tiny, <laughs> tiny little guys. Uh huh. I wouldn't get in the ring with them. <laughs> Good call. <laughs> well, 50 push ups today, I mean. <laughs> Frank, there's a question on the minds of Ute fans everywhere. Having watched Oregon State run all over Utah, they're a little worried UCLA is going to do the same. Those two teams are ranked 1-2, Oregon State 1, UCLA 2. Uh, as far as rushing yards per game in Pac-12, among the Pac-12 schools, they are 1-2. and two. So is UCLA going to literally follow in Oregon State's footsteps? Well, they should. Uh, I mean... If I if I'm looking at the tape, then then I think that's exactly what you would do is figure out what did how did Oregon State block that up front and and then design as closely as you can your run game based on what the Beavers did because Utah just they just couldn't stop it they couldn't figure out how to stop it and I you know I I look at the scoreboard it was like they had 140 yards rushing in the first half and I just thought and Utah was up and I thought wait a second this isn't this isn't going the right way like this doesn't sound, feel like it's going the right way and and then you know they just kept pounding the ball at the line of scrimmage so I I really thought Oregon State took over the game at the line of scrimmage in the second half I thought it was a more even battle in the first half and certainly Utah was having success on the offensive side but uh but you UC, but ucla has a little bit different weapon at the quarterback position so um I, I said a few weeks ago the two teams that made me the most nervous about utah's upcoming schedule were arizona state and uh, ucla and then i put oregon state third um and so this is the big one. I think this is a really big matchup this weekend. Certainly a beatable team in UCLA, but they have they have so much talent and ability on the offensive side. If Utah can't figure out figure it out, then who knows? Maybe it just turns into a shooting match. 
I like the Utes in this game for a couple of reasons. Uh, Thompson Robinson has not been practicing. I don't believe they're as good as a passing attack because the Beavers did hit on some couple of throws there that made a difference. And I'm not sure that the Bruins can do that. And then also, the one thing that I've had time to think about this, and we had Nick Ford on, and he was talking about that you know, he moved to center last season. Well, they didn't play in front of any crowds. It was like it was this totally different. He's talking about this year, uh, early on, he had some center exchanges uh, issues with the quarterback because he was hyped up. The crowd got him going, his adrenaline and all that stuff. He was gripping the ball too tight. And so I think what's apparent to me is that this team that we thought was going to be last year because they needed to reload after 2019 when they send, what, eight, nine guys, seven guys drafted, mm-hmm. nine, ten guys go to the NFL. And that's very impressive, right? Half of your starters basically are in the NFL today yeah. uh, when you include the 22. And so we looked at last year as a reloading year. And then they got, f- what, five games out there, but they were – they weren't really anything close. You, you, there's no way you can equate playing in Provo to anything you did last year. It's just it's impossible. And there's no way you can equate playing at uh, Oregon State uh, like what you had last year. So basically what we thought we were going to get last year, we're getting an extension of it this year because all these young guys or having to get this experience, and you look at it, they're four and three. Interestingly, all three games that they've lost have been on the road, which is a sign of an inexperienced, immature team, and we thought they were past that, so I think I underestimated that. So as I step back and look at it through seven games, I can see where they're at this year because of what happened last year. If they had a normal year last year, then I wouldn't say it, but they didn't. So that's where they're at this year. Yeah, that's interesting. It's uh, it it certainly does give you a sign a, a sign of the maturity of the team, uh, the road losses. I think they're getting close, and I think they've been close, but but they just it's it's like you have to win a messy game, you have to win a blowout game, you have to win a game on the road. I mean, these are all the things that help mature uh, a football team, and so uh, that's the that it seems like that's the missing piece is the game on the road. Now, fortunately, I think for Utah, if you look at the if you look at the upcoming games, um, well, they have UCLA at home, they have Oregon at home, and Colorado, um, so Stanford and, and, and Arizona away. Stanford and Arizona away. So, so maybe you say, okay, Arizona, that's a that's a very gettable game. Yep. On the road, um, Stanford. Who knows what Stanford is? Exactly. I mean, precisely. Yeah. yeah. Who knows what Stanford is? But you have three three games at home that two of your toughest opponents. So that's a, I think that's really yeah. that's, you know that's a good that's a good thing for Utah. But Which yeah, is why I think I, they're going to win the division. You do well. I that, do. I, yeah. I, you know, I'm not I'm not so far behind you on that. I mean, I think that's I think that's a real I think that's a real possibility. And if you want, if you looked at what Utah did against Oregon State, even with you know giving up the massive amounts of yards on the road. Um, against Oregon State, um, I'm not saying Utah should have won that game because if they should have won the game, then they would have scored twice from the right. one yard line, right. and and they wouldn't have given up a blocked punt. But they certainly had opportunities to win that game, even with the you know the the really rough defensive effort against the run. 
So I like this football team. I like what Cam Cam Rising is doing. You know, he's probably he, he would he would want a couple plays back in that Oregon State game. He missed a guy in the back of the end zone. Maybe that makes a difference. Who knows? But but uh, and 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 I like the way the offensive and defensive fronts have come along. I just you know I just happen to think that Oregon State's a pretty darn good football team, and they're really well coached. So as much as I want to say, well, Utah should have done, Utah could have done. I, you know, I think you have to give a little credit to to Oregon State because of what they did and what they accomplished. That's a good that's a good football team. But I do like Utah moving forward. So I'm curious, and this gets pretty optimistic. So maybe it's just you know wishing for what you're going to see and thinking you're seeing it. But the first four games, the Ute offense wasn't very productive. And there's a lot of, if you go through their stats, there's a lot of games where they, uh, I mean, the first game against Weber State set it aside because they had their 450 yards against Weber State. But the next three games, you know, the offense is cranking out about 350 yards a game. These last three games, like 455, 468, 493 yards. If you're cranking out that kind of yardage every week, you're the number one offense in the Pac-12. Oregon State leads at like 445 yards per game. Do you think the Utes have taken a real step in what we've seen in October? They've achieved a level that they could not do in September. This is now who they are, because if it is who they are, they've got a chance to win these high-scoring games you're talking about, assuming they don't have multiple problems in the red zone like they had at Oregon State, where they had them, but they still scored 34 points. And if they hadn't had them, then yeah. it could have been half a hundred, as the old ball coach likes to say. Yes, yes, yes. A wonderful phrase. So, I, I think that what we've seen out of uh, of this Utah football team is uh, glimpses of being like that good. Like if they play up to their potential, like we saw in lots of. Lots of plays against USC, half against Washington State, maybe half against Oregon State. If they play up to that potential, then I don't see deficiencies. I don't see any deficiencies. Like, they can score a lot. They can stop people. Um, They're good in special teams. So they should win a lot of games if they're playing at their highest level. But then then the, the other side of it is that you see... You actually see, you saw two blocked punts. One guy called back because number eight showed up twice on the field for Oregon State. Um, and, and then you see this inefficiency at the goal line pop up. And then you see, you know, a 58 yard run pop up. So, uh, and that's, that's not an A effort. You know, if, if Utah's playing at their A effort, I don't see deficiencies with the team. But, the, you know, the problem is they just – its no team plays up to their A effort all the time. So Utah's going to have to eliminate as much as possible or limit, you know, the, the C effort, the average effort. Um, or or I, I shouldn't say effort. It's not, I, I don't want to make it sound like these guys aren't trying. It's, it's a C productivity, you know, below average productivity. If they get into that, then they, that they get themselves in trouble. But, but when, they're, when they're on top of their game – I, I think they're really good. Yeah, yeah. It's just that they have a level of inconsistency right now 
mm-hmm. they're going to have to work through. And we'll see it. We'll see it over time. And they do need they do need some uh, uh, I don't know what you call it, seminal moments away from their crowd. You know, they got it in 2018. They got it against Washington on that uh, Saturday afternoon. Yeah. And then, and then and and one of the guys <clears throat> said to me as we're walking off the field, we don't we've never had a win like this since we've been in this conference. This is exactly what we needed. Now we can take off. And yeah. from then on out, the next year they only lose one conference game and they run mm-hmm. away they run away with the division. And so I I think, and we're getting way ahead of ourselves. I mean, actually, Kyle said this on Monday. He said, you know, we're going to be okay in the long term. And to me, they're going to go in next year as a heavy favorite to win the South. And and it's going to be, in terms of the favorite, it's going to be like it was two years ago. But they needed this time to reload. And last year, and you can't really have... uh, on them because last year was screwy for everybody. It's just that they were the team that lost so much the year before. You see what I'm saying? So the circumstances yeah, were different, and they'll come out of it. and And next year, I think they'll be really good, and they'll be okay this year. Just I think we just underestimated this developing process that they needed. Yeah, I think you're right. I think the youth of the team, um, the inability uh, to to understand who should be the the starting five up front, the, the quarterback issue, um, figuring out how to be how, how Utah plays at the defensive front, the defensive front seven, the defensive line. All of those things are. I mean, it's a young it's a young group. I think in one in one game this year, Utah had eight uh, under maybe eight freshmen, eight underclassmen on the defensive side um, of the ball in a in a game. Right. Uh, it's a, it's just a young, you know, it's a young and it's a developing football team, and so, and we don't. I mean, we we just feel like as fans, we're always like, well, you know, you just reload, right? And you just reload and you just reload, and you know, that's that's so difficult. That's so difficult to do, and uh, and so I I you know what whatever Coach Whittingham has done with this this crew to get them back on track. Um, and to get to the point where where we can say like if this team's playing up to its potential, they're they're a really tough out. Like they're they're not going to lose many games when they're playing up to their potential. They could find themselves, you know, in a in a very nice situation at the end of the year. I think that's a tremendous coaching job. There were there were times early in the season where we thought, oh man, this Utah football team they may not get to 500. I mean, that, and that's an enormous turnaround to this point. Frank Dolce, former Ute quarterback, join us talking about the Utah-UCLA game. And uh, I, am, I am curious in this one, when you look at the receiving group, how much faith do you have in the guys who are in the middle of this process PK's talking about to make big plays at big times, whether it's uh, Kincaid adjusting to this level of football, uh, Devon Vele's come on and made some plays, anybody else you've seen, what do you think about the ability of the receivers to make big plays in a passing game with the game on the line against a quality opponent like UCLA? I love the tight end group. Uh, and I, I don't know if, if Kincaid adjusted to this level of play. I think he's always been playing at this level, and now he's just in the, he's just in the right spot. Like That, that guy is really good. Keithy is really good. 
Fotheringham's really good, but because those other t- two guys are so good, you hardly talk about them. So the tight end group is fantastic. I think you, you can rely on those guys to go make you play almost any time you need someone to make a play. And then, um, and then the biggest surprise to me, the most pleasant surprise to me, has been the evolution of the receiving group. Coach Whittingham talked about all of the talent he had at the receiving group and three games in. I think we were still kind of scratching our heads, like, where, okay, where are all these guys? I mean, you're talking about we've, they've hardly caught a pass. You know, nobody's getting separation. Nothing's happening with this group. And then all of a sudden, um, you know, you're, you're talking about Theo Howard. Um, the guy that we thought we'd be talking about, Solomon Enos, I think he just had one catch against Oregon State. Uh, and you're talking about guys like Money Parks, and, um, of course, we're talking about Britton Covey because every time he touches the ball, it's, it's pretty exciting. Dixon. And, I'm, I'm, and, and Jalen Dixon, I, I know I'm leaving guys out. But, but so, so that's, I think to me, that's the biggest, that's the group that's, that has made the biggest impact, a, a group that we didn't, we, weren't, we just weren't sure about, I guess, coming into the season it was always my big question mark about the offense is, you know, what do they have on the outside? And I think they've demonstrated in several instances this year the ability to get separation, the ability to be very reliable in critical situations, and the ability to make a big play. Well, Frank, you go do some push-ups. Oh, yeah. I do. Get yourself ready for the game Saturday. I need to do at least 50 push-ups every day. My dad, my dad's an old wrestler, like, and so he, I think he still does like a hundred push-ups a day, <laughs> like that's his thing. Nice. When he was, when he was in his rest, wrestling career, you know, when he started in high school and went through college and everything, and he he was doing like a thousand push-ups a day. Wow. I know. I've I never got to here. that level. I've always <laughs> felt a little bit lacking because I've never reached the level. <laughs> You need to talk to Ron Boone. You need to talk to Ron Boone. Booner always said, after 50 push-ups, you're just showing off. Is that right? right? Yeah, yeah, I heard him say it multiple times. That's why people gather around me at the gym. After 50, just showing off. (laughs) That's a quality statement. I, you know, Herschel Herschel Walker was always the one who, like, he never worked out. He looked like a guy who just spent his whole life in the gym, but he was just doing push-ups and pull-ups and whatever else. Body weight stuff That's he what did. He said, he was yeah. Unbelievable athlete, yeah. But I don't know. Maybe you guys want to do a challenge? You want to do like a push up yeah, challenge? Yeah, DJ will do it. We'll, we'll, talk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about it. We can talk about it next week. Maybe we can get the whole station involved. Yeah. I don't know. I'll be doing one handed push ups in no time. <laughs> no time at all. Thanks, Sly. Yeah. All right, Frank, we got to run. Thanks a lot. Enjoy the game. We will talk to you next week. All right. You you guys are the best. Hey, thanks. I appreciate it. There is Frank Dolce, our Utah football insider. Best of the Jazz postgame next. It's game week for the Cougars. And the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. It ain't over till it's over. It's a game Cougar fans have circled for a long time as Bronco Mendenhall makes his return to Provo as the Cougars welcome in the Virginia Cavaliers. Listen all week for your chance to win tickets to the game and then catch the Cougar pregame show Saturday at 7 with the postgame show immediately following the game. From Monday morning to the postgame press conference, nobody 
brings you better coverage of Cougar football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. The Jazz do it. They beat the Nuggets, although they beat the shorthanded Nuggets with Jokic not playing in the second half. More on that here in the postgame show. Stay with us. It's your Jazz recap here on DJ and PK on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Jake Scott with you. Jazz win. They moved to 3-0 on the season. They beat the Nuggets last night, 122-110 to right here at Vivint Arena. Rudy Gobert led the way with 23. Also had 16 uh, rebounds and a block shot. Donovan Mitchell, 22 points, 6 assists, a couple of rebounds. Nikola Jokic, dominant in this one. Uh, he had 24 points in 15 minutes. Uh, six assists and six rebounds, only 15 minutes because he left the game late in the first half after knocking knees with Rudy Gobert. He suffered a knee contusion, warmed up at half, tried to see if he could go. He did not in the second half, and the Jazz pull away for a 12-point victory. Let's get to some post-game sound. Let's start things out with Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder. Well, first of all, I hope he's. It sounds like he's okay. I hope, I hope that that is the case. You know, you never. It's always scary. Any, any guy. In um. You know, I, I think it can work a lot of ways. You know, there's oftentimes the team like lifts their level. Um, you know, you're, he's obviously a central part of the game plan, so that changes. Um, you know, I thought we were we were sluggish in the third quarter. Um, some of that was them, some of that was us. But you know, I, I thought we we really responded and um, defended in the fourth, which um, I didn't think we started the game with that same mindset. We were scoring the ball you know, really efficiently. And we're just, there was a long period where we were just tra- trading with them. And then obviously, you know, Jokic started making shots. We have almost had his triple double at halftime. After Jokic went out, then you had opportunity to on him. You had a couple of other guys that had books again in the first half. What did you like or not like? I mean, he, he's obviously when, when Jokic is in the game, you know, that, that generally requires, you know, size with Rudy and Hassan, um, unless we want to cross match and, and do some things like that, that, um, we've done and they've seen, um, but, you know, Aaron, you know, Aaron really, really hurt us in the first half. Uh, I didn't, you know, there's, he's going to make some tough shots with his size. He can shoot over him, but, we let him drive by us. We weren't alert on the weak side. We didn't contest his shots. You know, I just thought it was too easy. You know, and obviously with one of those bigger guys on him, it's harder for him to, you know, to, to use his strength and, and overpower him. So that that changes the game a little bit. And then you're defending, you know, Will Barton more off the dribble. And um, it's kind of how you know, the game just evolves and adjusts. What changed for you guys defensively from that third quarter? No, I, I, I think there was you no. Know, we were we did a good job on the boards. First of all, you know, I, I think that was a big part of the game. Um, and I just thought we did a better job contesting shots. We were just more locked in. And uh, like I said, sometimes with you know you're having success on the offensive end. Um, that that's your focus and our focus needs to be on our defense and the offense will take care of itself. And, um, you know, I saw the ball sticking, we passed up shots, you know, I know we didn't shoot well, but you know, when we don't take our shots and don't move the ball, things get stagnant, you know, and I, I think that affects us, you know, I think that affects us on the other end as well. If we think about our defense, 
odds are the ball is going to move and we're going to be more efficient on offense. If we think about our offense, the odds are we're not going to be as good defensively. Just for a team that's got as many weapons as we do, it's counterintuitive, but that's where our our focus needs to be on the defensive. And frankly, I thought the first, you know, minutes of the game, we, we really were locked in. You know, we did a good job. You know, there was some aggressiveness. We just didn't, um, you know, we just didn't sustain it. You might when Eric went in tonight, the energy level kind of went off. What did you see out of him? You know, he moved the ball like as much as anything. And I think he, he did provide, you can feel him competing, but you know, something as simple as like not letting the ball stick, driving in the lane and kicking it out to a shooter. Those are, you know, those are simple plays, but those are the plays that if we make were hard to guard and he made them. You know, I, I thought Jordan really gave us a boost in the first half. He got some clean looks, um, you know, and he, he, he's on balance. He goes up, you think it's going to go in. And then, you know, he, he did a good job getting into the lane too when, when we needed to attack the rim. And, you know, I, I thought Joe, um, particularly when they're switching or when they're blitzing, you know, his size and his ability to pass the ball and find people, you know, ma- makes it easier on everybody. So, um, as you said, both those guys did, did a good job. And that's, you know, that's, you don't take it for granted, but that's what we expect. I thought that they both competed on defense too. Right. What specifically have you liked about Jordan's drive game this year? Um, you know, I, I think he's, he's, He's attacking at the the right times. He's attacking quicker, meaning, you know, it's, he's making a quick first move on his initial decision to drive. Um, and I think that's allowing him to get an advantage. And then if someone cuts him off, he's able to, you know, to play off a of contact. So I, just, I would just say that, you know, the, the, the reads, whether or not to take a shot or go, the ball's not sticking in his hands where he starts kind of, um, you know, I don't mind Jordan isolating, but there's – there's ways to have that even be more effective, you know, and I don't know what you, how you differentiate it or what you call it, but, you know, I think he's making quick decisions and, um, you know, and then, you know, he, he's, he's able, he has counters, you know, when, when he gets in there. Second straight game, Sean Whiteside's physicality has been noticeable, including getting ejected. Do you like that type of thing? I mean, how, how do you look at that? Um, you know, I, I think the, you know, anytime you have scuffles, confrontations in games, that's just part of an NBA game. Um, you know, those things happen because guys compete on a high level. I, I think the main thing with Hassan is um, you know, he's doing the things that help us win, you know, and whether that's rim protection or, you know, keeping balls alive, rebounding, running, and uh, you can you can feel him competing, you know, and that's, you know, that's something that, that I think he's taken a lot of pride in. He goes in there, he's, he's impacting the game in a, in a real way, and that's what we're seeing. Is it a luxury to have Boyan be your go-to scorer to end the game last season, be a guy who doesn't have to finish the game this year and it's not going to fall off? Yeah, I mean, I, I, today was, you know, with our group, you know, particularly, you know, Boyan was out two years ago in the bubble. We had Donovan out last year, Mike out, you know, it, it having guys that are able to step in at various times is huge. And, you know, Boyan, you know, the, Boyan's finished almost every game that he's played here, you know, and, and he'll continue to do that. You know, tonight, 
felt like Joe was making some plays that, um, you know, were impacting us and it had really very little to do with Boyan not doing something as much as it did with Joe was making an impact, you know, handling the ball and allowing those other guys to, to space. But I'm glad we got Boyan. There's Coach Quinn Snyder after his team moved to 3-0 after a win over the Nuggets last night, 122-110. to Let's get to the players. Let's start things off with Rudy Gobert. I think we we started Recording to move the ball in, progress. in the fourth. Uh, and it's kind of the the cycle when like when we play well offensively, we share the ball, then our defense get be- gets better. Or because our defense gets better, we move the ball. I don't know, but... Uh, I like when uh, when that happens, and uh, that's when we play our best basketball. You feel more comfortable now being on the perimeter when you get pushed to take a role defensively. That's you really work. Yeah, I've been comfortable. Yeah. I've been comfortable. If you, yeah. you and Nicole, I didn't feel anything, but I, I, saw, I saw the video, and yeah, I think uh, my right knee bumped into his knee, and unfortunate. I hope he's doing well. <laughs> You gotta embrace it. I mean, the, the, I miss, <laughs> I was mad at myself for missing four free throws in a row in the first half. So uh, they gave me a great opportunity to redeem myself. So we gotta embrace it. And you know, I know what I know that I'm a good free throw shooter. So I just gotta knock him down and enjoy it. And then Quinn puts you on Aaron Gordon second half. And, you know, obviously he is really hot in the first half. What, what, what are you trying to do against someone who has scored that? Uh, I think he, he scored. He, he, he really used uh, his height and, you know, his physical advantage, you know, on, on our guards. And, you know, we try to adjust and then try to put somebody bigger on him and, and see uh, see what happens, you know, try to make him earn, earn, earn it and give him a different look. And, uh, you know, we did a good, great job as a team in the second half. So what you do doesn't necessarily show up on the, the box score, but the first three games you've had really big numbers. <laughs> you like having those kind of follow-up to, to show what you are doing? I think I can play every game. You know, there's a lot of things I can do better. So, uh, I, I really stay away from the numbers this year. You know, I think, uh, you know, when you pay too much attention to the numbers, you kind of limit yourself and, uh, and you also play to other people's standards. I try to play to my own standards and, you know, and maybe do things that, you know, are not being done very often, you know, and try to be the best really I can be and see what happens. Sorry, just kind of obvious follow-up to that, but what are you proud of from tonight and what do you want? For myself? Uh, I mean, uh, I stayed with it, you know. uh, It was hard for me to get touches early on. Uh, I missed a lot of free throws in the first half. Uh, you know, just gotta stay with it. You know, keep trusting my teammates. Uh, they kept trusting me, and uh, you know, we found a way to play uh, better basketball. You know, in the second half, in the fourth quarter, and uh, and you know, and uh, I gotta stay ready. And, and when the team's gonna foul me, I gotta knock down the free throws because it's uh, it's the only thing they can do. You know, it's foul me. It's the last resort. You know, so if if I make the free throws, it's uh, at some point they have to to change strategy. So much of the game plan centered around Jokic. How difficult is it to kind of like alter that? I mean, it's you know, is is an amazing player, but I think we, I think we we have to understand that it's about us and it's not about who we play. Um, 
you know, we were smart enough as a team to understand all the different lineups that are going to come at us. We knew that if Jokic was out, they were going to play small and try to space the floor. So, you know, we, we try to punish them inside and move the ball and attack the rim. And defensively, you know, just uh, all lock in, you know, all guard our yard, guard our man, communicate and make sure we, we rebound. And, you know, it was a really, really good stretch, you know, the last uh, six minutes of the game. What are you noticing from Eric Pascal? I love his energy. You know, he he had it's funny because he had a lot happen to him. He had problem on cheekbone. He had a he dislocated his finger the day before the first game. So, but he, he showed up. You know, he showed up every practice, every game. Uh, I love how he you know he brings the intensity every single second, and it's contagious. You know, when you have guys like that that. You know, embrace every challenge, and uh, you know, and, and also uh, pushes <laughs> their teammates to be better. You know, it's uh, it's huge. It's huge for a team. All right, we actually have one Zoom question. Juan Baraka, go ahead. Rudy, uh, how's it going? Um, after last after last year uh, lost against the Clippers, there was a lot of people hating on you on how do you uh, defend small ball and stuff. Uh, that started last I mean, year. Yeah, yeah. I started way before that. <laughs> I, yeah. Sorry. I I imagine that wasn't uh, easy for you, but now here you are. Here you are responding with uh, the first season start, the the best sorry season start of your career. Not just because of the numbers, but because you can uh, just uh, watch uh, you play and, and you can realize that. Uh, how how strong is your mind and your body right now, and how do you deal with? with that uh, in order to improve every day. Thank you. I think when you, when you come to a certain time, you know, a certain level of maturity, you, you stop caring about people's opinions. You know, people, they're just going to follow the trend. If the trend is to hate on this guy, they're going to hate on this guy. And, and that's the world we live in. But I'm just focused on my team. You know, I'm enjoying myself. I'm having fun. And, uh, and you know, we got to, we got something to achieve. So, you know, it's all about staying locked in, staying focused on one another and, uh, and keep getting better and just have fun. There is Rudy Gobert. Nice night for Rudy. Uh, led the team in scoring with 23 points. Also grabbed 16 boards, uh, grabbed block shot. Uh, Denver went to the hacker Rudy strategy down the stretch in the fourth. Did not work. Rudy knocked down some clutch uh, free throws in the jazz solidified the win. Let's now hear from Donovan Mitchell. Obviously, we don't see John out of games, but is it? I mean, it's third game of the season. He's out there and he's not backing down. Is that something that you like? No, three games, two ejections. You know, I think we're we're on pace for a lot of them. But no, I I think you know, you know, adding Hassan. You know, I think he's he's a guy that is 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 dedicated to his craft. He puts the work and the time in. You know, I told you guys at the beginning of the year, the biggest thing for him was just learning where to be. You know, and I think. Defensively, that comes easy for him and Rudy. You know, um, there was a point in time in my career where both of them were battling for leading in blocks and stuff like that. So, you know, for for me, the defense I think is easy. He's he's he is a competitor. Offensively, he's coming down. You know, rolling, making the right plays. But then he also adds a level of toughness, as you saw tonight. And you know, I think that that goes without saying. We see it, we know it, and you know, it just gave us a boost. You know, and I think there was a. <clears throat> 
the game was going back and forth and plays like that, you know, really define, you know, what we're going to be, you know, and I think that was, that was good for us and good for him, you know, to kind of establish that as his role. And we knew that, but it's good for, you know, the fans to see that. And that's, that's, that's why we love us on and, you know, we're going to continue to continue to, to be uh, aggressive. What was working inside the arc that had been in the first two games? Uh, for the team? For you. Uh, for me? Um, really just coming out to attack. I mean, I'm, I missed a lot of easy ones, I think, the past two games. I, I think it's the shots I work on continuously, day in and day out. I think now just making them, putting, putting more time and effort, I think that's it. I think that's happened with a lot of my shots. You know, I'm one of nine or three. You know, I feel like I'm, <clears throat> I can make easily all of them. You know, I think it's just a matter of makes or misses. You know, and that'll come. You know, I think the biggest thing is just trying to find ways to impact the game in other ways, whether it's offensively, defensively. Uh, but, you know, just being able to just stay with it, you know, not really getting too too frustrated or too pressed about, you know, the shots not going in. What's, um, what's your reaction? That's how I grew up, you know. I mean, that's New York City basketball. It's finest, you know. I, I love that. I embrace it. I enjoy it. And I think as a group, we're embracing it as well. I think <clears throat> there are times where we've kind of gotten, you know, stagnant or getting out, getting us out of our offense. And I think, you know, a lot of times when you get to a point where teams are pushing or being aggressive, you you think so much of oh, you got to be physical right back. It's not so much that. I think the biggest thing is being able to execute while being pushed, execute while being in those in those instances. So you look at Sacramento, um, being able to fight through that physicality, being able to still run our stuff. You know, there are times last year where, you know, you get phys- teams get physical and we stop. Or if we do stop, like we stopped, we got stagnant today, but we still made plays. We still moved on to the next thing. And I think that's a level of maturity for our team that we've, that we finally <clears throat> are starting to get to and starting to see that it's okay. You know, there's not going to, there are going to be games where you know, like guys get ejected and things, things happen, but it's how do we continue to, to move on and understand that it's just, it's just physicality. And if we can continue to execute up here, we'll be fine. When they go and pick on you or cut you, how are you deciding whether or not to kind of that? Well, you'd think I'd learn after the first four turnovers in the trap, right? Um, I think for me, it's just, like I said, just not forcing it. Um, tonight I did in, in three or four instances, and then the fourth quarter came, and I was like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm hard-headed. You know, <laughs> got to try things out and get, get used to it. But when the fourth quarter comes, slowing down, being steady, and just being able to read, you know, and I think that's when I'm at my best. And, you know, I was able to do that early, and then the third quarter kind of got a little shaky. Um, but I think that's that's pretty much the read for me, understanding who's open, how they're going to be open, and, you know, to go from having to be to be where, where Jokic is in a bigger big to go from that, you know, I got to be able to do that uh, quicker, you know, than, than, I, than I did tonight. And that's what we'll see tomorrow or the next day against against Houston. So just being ready to see that. And, you know, we have too many lethal weapons on the floor for me to try and, spl- <clears throat> try and split and not be able to find guys. A lot of it is, you know, not so much the guys in front of me, it's the guys on the backside, you know, being able to see where they're at. You know, sometimes they shifted. I had a turnover to start the half where I, if I make the pass a little bit higher, Rudy gets it, you know, then the end one I got, I'm holding it to see what the other guy's going to do. He want, goes away, I go for a lamp. Like those are the reads, you know, understanding they're pulling in both ways. So either corner will be open where I hit Royce and he hits Rudy. So like those are those are the, the levels of, of reads. Or sometimes it's even just getting off it right away and having that guy make the make the play. I think that's you know, the level of, of, of reads that I'm I've been getting getting to. What did Eric bring tonight specifically 
um, that's 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 Eric. You know, the defensive toughness. You know, being able to come in, make the right plays. You see the going catches to a kick out for a three. Being able to do be a star in what he does, and that's him. He's been like that his his whole life, and especially when he's on an island one on one. I think he 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 like cherishes that he loves that you know i think that's that's for him is you know his moment and he goes out there and and locks up that's what he's been doing sorry um but yeah i think that's that's just him you know and he's like i say he's at a level of toughness too and that that gives us lift you know hassan does it one way he does it in, in a similar way you know and i think his voice being able to be able to show and lead by example too on the defensive end i think is huge going back to hassan um he sets the screen a little not as high as Ruby. How does that Uh I think it really it varies. And like I said, that goes back to just feeling everybody out. You know, he has to understand where I like to get screen set, Mike, Joe, JC. So it's all about feeling that part out, you know, and he's gotten better at it. You know, it's not gonna be perfect just yet. You know, we're only three three games in, but he's he's setting it lower. He's in and in, in, we're working on getting them up and getting them and getting them to roll, but he's getting out quick and getting the role, which is impacting a lot of, which is allowing the defense to have to shift and, and kind of get to him. And now you're getting our threes, never getting our stuff, which the preseason he wasn't doing as much because he just, you don't know, you know, so now he's, he's seeing and understanding. And that goes back to, like I said, his commitment to the game and being able to go through things and understand it at a, at a quick pace. You mentioned after the Sacramento game, you guys kind of learning on the fly in the game, mm-hmm. kind of handle things and, yeah, I think being able and also being able to react to that, I think is huge too. And being able to adjust, you know, like I said, coming out of timeouts or being able in game to understand, all right, they're probably going to switch one through five. So let's run this or they're, they're blitzing. Let's run this. Let's put this position, the ball here, position, the ball there. Let's put somebody in the action, you know, being able to have that communication as a group, like I was telling Tony, being able to do that through physicality, you know, through moments where we've turned the ball over, being able to consistent, consistently do that, I think is the, the level that we're, you know, we're getting to, but it's early, you know, we've done it twice, but we've got to continue to do it in order to um, be where we want to be. There is Donovan Mitchell, his 22.6 and a couple of rebounds. Let's wrap up uh, player sound with Eric Paschal. Eric, you know, we got to ask what happens to, what happened to your cheek? I'm in the same as y'all. I don't know. Uh, I thought I had a pimple the other day, and I, I think it just got infected because I just had a bump, and then all of a sudden I wake up and my eyes swollen, my whole face is swollen. But I'm okay. I'll be all right. You've been getting a lot of a lot of praise, not just from your teammates, but also especially tonight on the intensity that you bring and how quickly you're picking up stuff here. Is, that, is it something that you're finding easy, that you're feeling that on the court? Or you still feel like you're kind of finding a way? Oh, obviously, it's a new team, new season. Still trying to find my way. But, um, again, I've been in this role before where you're not really the star player. You're not going to get the ball a lot. So you find a way to impact the game in different ways. So I feel like a lot of it goes to Villanova and and even Coach Quinn. Coach Quinn's done a great job just giving me confidence to go out there and bring energy and allow me to be me. What changed you guys offensively from that third to fourth quarter? I thought we just pressured the ball more. I mean, we, we got more locked in. We, we said to each other we got to get stops to, to be able to beat them because they're a very good team. So I feel like at the end of the game, we, we did that. We got a lot of stops, and um, it was great for us. It was a great team, man. You ended up on an island. It might have been a little part, I can't remember, but you ended up slowing down. You didn't get a shot off. And the crowd kind of responded to that. Do you notice that, that that can be an energy builder for someone? 
Uh, yeah. I mean, again, that's what I try to, I try to bring, just bring a lot of energy, bring uh, a way to get people involved and uh, just have fun out there to be real. Um, that's part of having the fun, just being a crowd and glad in, in this non-COVID, like kind of non-COVID times where you the crowd can actually be there and you hear that. So again, it, coming from Golden State here, it's better to be on the side of the Jazz fans than not because I remember playing here and they are very loud. Does someone say that you don't have protection behind you or do you know you're just kind of going along one or what, what is the thought there? Just to keep them in front, to be real. I mean, that's what, what you try to do is contain. So that's all I was really thinking. I'm kind of like, it was just in my own zone, just trying to get a stop. You have a few possessions against Aaron Gordon. As a defender, when you're going against a guy like that who was really hot in the first half, what's, what's priority number one with him? I was just trying to slow him down. Um, again, he's physical. So, me, I try to match him with my physicality and try to wear him down a little bit, let him know that, I mean, it's not going to be that easy. So, I try to do that with uh, a lot of my matchups, just trying to um, use my physicality and still with my quickness. When he says the thing that he's noticed by I would say just watching the game. I mean, uh, filling it out, knowing how teams used to play me last year and the year before. I know when I drive, a lot of teams are going to try to collapse thinking I can't pass. So I try to just make teams pay for that, to be real. Uh, just pass the ball when, when you need to. So that's my whole thought process going into all the games. There's Eric Paschal. Did not score in 14 minutes, but grabbed four boards, had a couple of assists, and certainly was energy guy coming in off the bench. In fact, Rudy Donovan and Coach Snyder all talked about what Paschal uh, brought to the game last night. It's Jazz win, 122-110. to Up next, the Jazz are on the road. Tomorrow night, they're taking on the Rockets in Houston. That game will tip off at 6 o'clock. Pre-game coverage here on The Zone begins at 5. There's the best of the post-game show. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines next. Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280, The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag Utah Jazz. Works the lane to the cup. Scoop and score. And now we got a fight breaking out. Jordan Clarkson has left the Jazz bench. Hill gets suspended. Whiteside and Green got into it. To Michael Green and Hassan Whiteside got into it. Green is not finished yet. Donovan off a double stagger. Bullets across court pass to Neal. Finds Roy. Rudy at the rim. He does a slam dunk and a pull up. The Jazz remain undefeated. A perfect 3 0 after beating the Nuggets. 122 to 110. Rudy Gobert leads the way with 23 points. Donovan Mitchell had 22, but it all changed late in the second quarter. The Nuggets lost their MVP, PK. That took some of the steam out of the game. They hung in there for the third, and they got beat in the fourth. Yeah, they didn't, they didn't beat the Nuggets. They beat the, the Denver Stars, the G League team. The G League team. <laughs> no Murray, no Jokic. That's $61 million worth of salary. Not out on the floor. No... TR done. I mean, they were missing some of their better <laughs> no, players. TR done. Yeah. 
fat lever. You're done without TR done. Give us one. What does it say about this team from the game? One thing you learned, and then we will get to that coming up in our next segment. It is time to get rolling with what does it say? They can beat crappy teams with not really extending themselves. Yes. This is two and a half games of that. Jokic is out there. Denver's not a crappy team. But Jokic sits down. It was inevitable they would pull away, and that is exactly what happened in the fourth quarter, and they end up winning by 12. And tomorrow night they're back in action in Houston against the Rocket team. How would you describe the Rockets? Bad. I thought you were going to go with a crappy team. In the moment, bad. I mean, but you have to allow teams to reload. Yes. And it's time for them to rebuild after the Harden deal. All right, more on the Jazz. And what does it say about the Jazz? Hit us up on Twitter, David DJ James, Facebook, DJ and PK. And we will get to the Jazz next. Stay with us. DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. Pass to the corner to Andre. Let's it fly. He got Dalla for three. That's a huge bucket there. 99-90 Warriors with 3.45 to go. Takes his time at the foul line. Backs down middle of the lane. Spins off and will scoop and score. Long back to baseball. Baseball all the way. Throws it up. Tipped up and in by Davis. AD right there when he needed it. Three games in the West last night, and in every case, the team that is supposed to be good this year beat the team that is supposed to miss the playoffs this year. Everybody got the job done. You heard the Warriors over to the Thunder. 106-98, Shea Gilgis-Alexander had 30, but it wasn't nearly enough. Mavericks beat the Rockets 116-106. Guess who didn't play, PK? For whom? For the Dallas Mavericks. Porzy? Porzingis. Had some tightness. Had to sit that one out. They won by 10. Well, it's better than having looseness. All that flabby skin all over the place. And the Lakers need OT, but they beat the Spurs to even their record at 2-2. They win 125-121. Ankle soreness, something going on there. So no LeBron James. But Russell Westbrook cut loose 33 points, 10 rebounds, 8 assists. Russell Westbrook unleashed. Yeah, I I would ship LeBron out of town. (laughs) You would not. I mean... you can't have them both. You want to unchain Russell in my world, Russ? LeBron's getting in the way. Russell Westbrook is deferring, becoming this, passive. This town isn't big enough for both of them. <laughs> nice. Anthony Davis also had a big game, 35 points and 17 He's being a big games. How about our namesake, man? Yak? Yaka Pirtle, 27 and 14? He went to town. Had a big dunk flying down the lane. I saw it in the highlights. Cut loose. He blocked Davis. Yeah. Good for him, man. Been in the league now, what, three or four years? Uh, Probably more than that, actually. Really? Dang, I'm wrong. (laughs) You're probably right. You're better at this stuff than me. I'm I'm taking the over, though. All right, go ahead. Don't look it up. Nope, it's too late. I'm looking it up. (laughs) He's on his way. (laughs) You know I can't be stopped. You're addicted to looking things up. It is year six for Jakob Pertl. One game in the East, Knicks beat the Sixers 112-99. Julius Randle went for 16-11-7 to lead the Knicks. We'll watch ESPN this morning. As soon as they get done with football, we'll hear about the Knicks. (laughs) There'll be some. Where do the Knicks rank in the East? No, can they win the East? That's that's what it's going to be. Well, they're off to a 3-1 start. Nice start. 
Three undefeated teams now left. The Jazz is 3-0, the Warriors are 4-0, and the team the Jazz will see on Saturday, the Bulls are 4-0. Those are the last three unbeaten teams in the NBA. DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. Hey, guys, I don't have time for that speculation. I mean, that's a joke to me. Um, I got one of the best jobs in, in all of professional sport. Why would I have any interest in coaching college football? That'll be the last time that I address it. And not only today, but moving forward. Never say never, but never. Okay? Anybody else got any questions about any college jobs? There's not a booster with a big enough blank check. Thank you. Anybody asking Sean Payton about that? Anybody asking Andy Reid about stuff like that? Mike Tomlin had been linked as an option for the vacant USC job. Carson Palmer apparently throwing that out there in a national interview. Uh, so USC, LSU, he's not having it. The Steelers, a model of stability. He doesn't have to recruit. <laughs> not to love you doing high college for sure, but I think a free agency you have to do to an extent. It's much, much smaller. Uh, yeah, well, the reason why Reed and Peyton aren't being asked that because their names weren't thrown they weren't thrown out there. Yeah, get mad at Carson Palmer, not some media stiff trying to survive. Who's got to go ask it uh, now that Carson Palmer threw it out there? Yeah, I don't know that he necessarily took any uh, umbrage at the individual who asked it, but I also disagree that there's not a booster with a big enough check. Ah, uh, there it is. That's actually an awesome negotiating move right there. Let all the boosters out there with checks know, well, you better, you better bring the big check. Yeah. We come in with numbers for... I, mean, I don't know what he makes in Pittsburgh, check. and he does, he's right. He does have one of the better jobs in all of sport. He I, does. I agree with that 100%. He does. And so I appreciate and respect him for saying that because he knows, hey, I've got a great thing here. Why do I need to go someplace else? And sometimes you see guys jump around a little bit, and then years later they reflect, oh, maybe I left this place too early or whatever it might be. You hear that from time to time. And so for him to be absolutely happy in his own skin where he's at says something about what he has going on and what about the, what the Steelers are about. So for sure, he's an icon there. You know, He's part of the Trinity as we look at uh, Chuck Knoll and uh, Coward, Coward and him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with Chuck Knoll, are we going back to the 60s? Yes. Yeah, yeah this yeah. is 50-plus years. Uh, that's incredible. 50-plus years with three coaches. When you got that kind of stability, ownership stands behind you and doesn't blame you because players age or you signed the wrong free agent or drafted the wrong guys, he does have a great job. As a standalone denial, that was as good as it gets. The problem is if you just look at pro coaches denying interest in college jobs, then somebody rolls a Nick Saban tape real quick, and that, as a standalone denial, was pretty strong, except then he took the job he denied he was going to take. And that happens from time to time, sure, but I, I take Tomlin at his word right now. It's amazing to think he's only 49 years of age. He was young. They wanted him. They don't like a lot of change. He's won a lot. So you would think he'd be good there for another 10 or 15 years, whatever he wants. I thought Bill Cowher could have been good there longer, but he wanted out, so they made the move. Tomlin's never had a losing season in 14 years as the head coach in Pittsburgh. So that's good. 35 years old, takes over the job. They described last year as really disappointing, and they started 11-0. I was going to say. So if that's the floor, you're in good shape. Well, they lost in the first round of playoffs. They did. That is disappointing. I mean, they haven't won a playoff game in uh, five years, four years, six years. It's like 2017. Other places you get fired for that. 
but not in Pittsburgh. It's not how the Roonies do it. And good for them. NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell doubled down Tuesday on the league's decision not to make public the results of its investigation into the workplace culture at the Washington football team, saying the anonymity of the people who cooperated with the investigation was too high a priority to allow the league to do so. But then a lawyer came out who represents a bunch of uh, people and said, well, that's not true. None of my people asked for anonymity. I mean, maybe there's somebody else who did, but the back and forth will continue. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. The Utes are going to retire the number two jersey of Ty Jordan and Aaron Lowe. 22. The Utes will retire the number 22 jersey of Ty Jordan and Aaron Lowe and honor their legacies in a ceremony. During the UCLA game on Saturday, they'll be the first players in program history to have their numbers retired. Think we all saw that coming? Didn't know when they'd do it, but it turns out it'll be UCLA on Saturday. Penn State coach James Franklin, aware of potential distractions about his future with the program, but he says it has not impacted the team despite recent on-field losses. Asked Tuesday about his commitment to Penn State with his name linked to other jobs. I've been asked this question multiple times. I think I've shown over my eight years my commitment to this university and this community. Leaves the door open. Well, yeah. This is the game that they have to play. DJ and PK. He wants to move on. Let him. Hashtag Major League Baseball. Hit well, deep left. That's going back. That ball is gone! one nothing Braves. And Jorge feels like busting loose. And that's how you start a World Series. Auto pitch. Hit in the air to deep left field. Spinning around out and left is Bradley. And that one disappears. A two-run home run for Duvall. And it's 5 nothing Atlanta here in the top of the third. Two in the first, one in the second, two more in the third. The Braves have the big lead, and they hold on to win 6-2. to two. The bullpen had to get it done because a comebacker hit the Braves' ace, Charlie Morton, fractured his fibula in the second inning. Now he stayed in there, pitched, got a few more guys out, but then left the game in the third inning. He will miss the remainder of the World Series. Literally a year ago at this time, my wife had the same injury and was in a wheelchair. And he's out there throwing 100-mile-an-hour pitches. That's awesome. But it turns out... There's some, maybe there might be some degree, I don't know. But she literally could not walk, as you know. Yes. But it turns out you can't uh, drive off the mound, land on your leg. Oh. You need both legs. And yeah. when one is broken, that's not going to last. Right. It's amazing he lasted as long as he did. He tried we, to shake it off. We had Jim Abbott with one full arm, but I don't know that we'll have a pitcher with one full leg. Even Donovan Mitchell couldn't do that. You're right. <laughs> and this reminds us, we got to ask Joe, when does Donovan pitch to you? What's going on? Had all summer. Ah, uh, yeah, but that was, it was a funky summer with him having to be gone. With the Olympics, yeah. Yeah. Shohei Otani was presented with the Commissioner's Historic Achievement Award. The Commissioner's Historic Achievement Award began in 1998, was last presented in 2014 to Hall of Fame shortstop Derek Jeter and broadcast legend Vin Scully. The award is meant to recognize accomplishments and contributions of historical significance to the game. Shohei, pitching and hitting at a high level. So he gets that award. That sounds like a country song. Pitching, hitting, <laughs> drinking. <laughs> I'm going to get in touch with Luke Bryant. <laughs> Hunting, yeah. fishing. You got a hit on your hands. <laughs> Enough of this radio stuff. Start writing country music hits. That's where the real paydays are, PK. Make it happen. 
Who do you think contributed to Proud to be an American by Lee Greenwood? Patrick Kinahan. And I'm proud. I stand. I'll just leave it at that. What is Trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There's no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. We're talking college football with Riley Jensen, our college football insider at 8 o'clock. A waiting word on Joe Ingles' availability. Normally he does Thursdays, but they got a Thursday game and he doesn't do game days. So probably later today. Possibly he'll bump it to Friday, but probably later today. Yawk is anticipating today, so we all are. We'll let you know on Joe, but probably in the uh, 9 o'clock hour. We'll see how that plays out. Coming up next, the Jazz get the win. What'd you learn? What did that win say about the Jazz? We'll get to that next. Stay with us. It's game week for the Aggies, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. It's back-to-back home games for Utah State as Blake Anderson and the Aggies square off against Hawaii in Maverick Stadium. Listen all week long for your chance to win tickets to the game and then catch all the play-by-play action beginning with the Aggie pregame show Saturday at noon. From Monday morning to all the play-by-play action, nobody brings you better coverage of Aggie football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. I think I can play every game. You know, there's a lot of things I can do better. So I, I really stay away from the numbers this year. You know, I think, uh, you know, when you pay too much attention to the numbers, you kind of limit yourself and you also play to other people's standards. I try to play to my own standards and, and maybe do things that are not being done very often. Try to be the best really I can be and see what happens. There's Rudy Gobert. Didn't have the 20 rebound game. Had 16 boards after 21 and 20 in the first two games. So the average drops now, PK, down to 19 rebounds a game. 3-0. That's the average I care Pay about. attention to that number. Yeah. All right, what does it say? We love the postgame questions after wins, but we're going to do it after wins and losses. I can't wait till they lose. What does it say about the Jazz? <laughs> says Yo- and I saw two what does it says last night. One was on the TNT walk-off with Donovan Mitchell, and then another one was a World Series postgame. What does it say? What was the, what does it say? I went to bed. Yeah, I, I don't know how you stay up, man. Get to bed. Yeah. <laughs> As you know, there's one thing I have to do to get ready for the morning. That's the only thing that keeps okay, me Okay, you could have done that in the middle of the fourth quarter. <laughs> no, I couldn't, actually. I could. <laughs> okay. That'd be more, more work for Yak if I did. You're uh, welcome, Yak. We, we can handle once it. Once they got the win on board. I it's put over. Up, I put up the question before the game was over. All right. So... Once Red Arbach starts smoking a cigar, <laughs> you're good it's, to go. Quinn just pulls out a bagel cigar and lights it up. <laughs> I would die laughing. <laughs> that would be hilarious. That was another time in another era. <laughs> All right, so what does it say? It says Jokic is one hell of a player, man. Yeah, it is, right? Played 15 minutes, 24 Six and six. I thought about that. If you look at the box score and you don't see the minutes, you'd think he played the whole game. And he was gone early to mid-second quarter. I mean, late to mid-second quarter. I got you. Wow, man. He was on his way. And... And it was, uh, they were talking at one point, well, the the Jazz extended the lead to eight, and the Nuggets were minus eight while... He was on the bench. He was on the bench. He was taking a blow, yeah. Yeah. He was literally keeping the team in the game. And the second he sat down, the Jazz went on a run. Yeah, he's spectacular. Second round pick, too. Awesome. 
What does it say about Rudy Gobert? If you're going to beat the Jazz, you better have a guy who's lights out from three and can pull him away from the hoop. You don't want to mess with anything else. you got to make him play out on the three-point line. Helps the other four guys big time. A smaller what does it say that I took from this game was uh, watching Butler. You know, he looks so good in the preseason. What's he going to do in the regular season? He had the crowd ooing and aahing. The handles. So good. Get a guy going left, go right. Get a guy going right, go left. Stop, start, go by a guy. So then signs Curly Neal. I know, right? But then, (laughs) what does it say? Well, he's a rookie, and they've still got to work with him on some of the concepts of the offense. Offense, once he gets him beat, he doesn't go to the hoop and finish or create the step-back jumper, and he doesn't put the other team into the scramble, into the blender, and move the ball. He holds the ball, sticks, and the defense resets. He played two minutes. I didn't even notice him out there. Yeah, he did it a couple times. He beat, he beat his guy twice, and neither time did it lead to a shot. Because he's hesitant. Yes. And that's and why he, he got pulled. zero confidence back yep. right now. But he can't beat guys off the dribble. But it's just not leading anything yet. Hmm. Uh, two minutes. I, I, I didn't even... I saw him out there. I was like, eh. I don't expect much out of him. I'm, I'm, in fact, I am not going to talk. I'm going to be Jared Butler free f- <laughs> until January. I'm not going to even mention his name. I will not talk about him at all. I know he got an A plus 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 plus, like Ralphie did in his dream nice. his theme. Ralphie, uh, Chad Ford gave a, him an A plus 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 in his preseason grades. <laughs> But I'm not going to talk about him anymore. What I, will, what I will say is what it say about the Jazz is for whatever the reason, Joe seems a lot more comfortable coming off the bench this year than he has in prior years. Now, he didn't get to play much in that other game because he got tossed. But so and so such a small, small sample, but that's all we got, is that he's having a high level of effectiveness in his 25 to 30 minutes coming off the bench. And that sometimes had been a problem. But so far this year, in two full games, it hasn't been a problem. He has been extremely effective coming off the bench. We will talk with Joe about that coming up, 8.39, 9.30, whenever he is available today. 8.30 is now the time. And it also says... He just quote tweeted my tweet and said, 8.30, be there. That... Uh, this league is such a sissy league. Whiteside and Green get tossed for that. I know. For that? Yakking and shoving. <laughs> Come on. It's a fight. <laughs> they shoved each other. This was so minor. whoop de do. You can go down any park and get that. And they got to get tossed. They and we got to have security and thought, 50 guys run out on the court as if it's yes. the malice, it, the vivid. <laughs> you need a different word. It doesn't rhyme. Hey, come on. That's so overblown. I would have just said, guys, shake hands, and away we go. <laughs> or don't shake hands. Either way, we're going. I don't think we need to go to Secaucus on that. Nobody threw any punches. And Come on. They were shoving, and they were kicked out. Yeah, and they had done it the prior possession, so... A little bit of pushing and shoving. These guys are large dudes fighting for positioning, trying to make their mark. In the case of Green, he's much younger than Whiteside. I think he is anyway. Uh, But 
I thought, wow. And somewhere Rambus and Mikhail are laughing. Thomas says uh, halftime stats indicate we were fortunate Jokic didn't return. Well, you can argue that. I don't know what would have happened. Jazz could have gone on another big run when he sat down again in the second half. Yeah. That could have decided the game. He could, well could have. He could have cooled off and only gone for 40 <laughs> instead of 50. Yeah, but at the same time, if he's in, I think you, ha- you can't just say, well, let's just double it. He played 15 minutes at 24, so he would have 48 if he played 30. Yeah, but would Does, Barton have gone off in the third yeah, quarter? Yeah, I mean, obviously the shots are there. You can get more in rhythm, and Barton looked really good for a stretch. Uh, Morris looked pretty good. Uh, the other guys... Uh, they're just Gordon was making so, everything until yeah. he picked up those three quick fouls early, and went to the bench. Early, yeah. After he after he went to the bench, he came back. He but didn't I mean, make they were thing. all point blank type shots. Yeah, he's not a shooter. Nope. He's over for, th- for three. Yeah. Threw up a three that was an air ball. Missed yeah. another one where clearly they were playing off him for the drive and giving him the three if he wanted it. He didn't really want it, but he finally took it. And but I mean, the it. Nuggets will take twenty and seven from him. Uh, that's a pretty good game. And Porter. I'm not going to call him Porter Jr. I don't know who Porter Sr. is, but Porter is a streaky shooter. I've said, I said it yesterday. And he, you know, 518, 3 of 11. He's a streaky shooter. Now, he'll go out, I don't know who they play next, and he'll go 7 of 10 for, from the three. That's just who he is. Brace yourself, Mavericks. Porter's coming. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, he's a nice player, uh, but he's. He's too, he's, he's too streaky. He's not a pure shooter. Tony says, here's what it says. It says the Jazz are still looking for a rotation that works good. They're going to have to incorporate Rudy Gay soon. They're still winning. It matters most in June. That's deep. Well, he got in all his takes. It's about four of them. Of course it matters most in June. If you're even playing in June, it may not matter at all in June. Could be on vacation because the when the regular format, which is what we're going to have this season, hopefully it continues, is that if you're playing in June, uh, you're in the conference final or the NBA final, right? Yep. Yeah. So it works. Great if they're playing in June. Yeah, it'd be awesome. But I can't guarantee they're going to be playing in June. I like their chances. Josh says, "What does it say? Says it's better to be lucky than good." Jokic was on pace for a monster night. I've always disagreed with that se- that statement. It's it's good to have luck, but, but it's luck, better to be good. Luck can only carry you for so far. You need to be good. You need to be really good. And this ball club is really good. And yeah, they got lucky, but they'll have a time that that stuff evens out. We've got uh, let's see, eighty two, eighty one, eighty seventy nine games to go. Help me on my math. So. That'll flush out. Three down, 79 to go. You know, I I, I use my fingers. BYU Bullion at Playoff Bogey tweets in, what does it say? Nothing really. It's good to get this win, but they didn't defend or move the ball well for most of the game. It's only game three. There's lots of work to do. You know what it says? Donnie Basketball is the smoothest jazz player of all time. Because... Because he's smooth. I mean, I just have Boney James in my mind. Smooth jazz. Channel 66 on my Sirius XM satellite radio. 
plug into the radio stations. <laughs> Good work. Thanks for that. Smooth jazz. That's who he is. He is so smooth and so graceful on that the mid-range, the little high pick, and he just steps over and just, just so smooth, man. It's like the most fundamentally sound shot with the follow-through and the dribble and in rhythm. He is smooth. There's not a player who's been smooth. Name me a player, jazz fans, and we've got a lot of yous out there that go way back. Adrian Danley was smooth. Dr. Duncanstein was smooth. And they all can be smooth. Pete Maravich. Now you're going way But back. none of them were smoother than Donnie Basketball. Went back to New Orleans. I, he can, wherever, Charlotte, he can go down to Miami, Orlando, doesn't matter where he is. He's smooth. So smooth. And he's playing for the Jazz. It's so appropriate. He is smooth jazz. Ian's having none of this analysis. Ian's all about the results. What does it say? It says that we are 3-0 and instead of 2-1. and You are what your record says you are. Well, it should be 3-0. and Agreed. Played nobody, nobody, and the Nuggets. Denver with Jokic out players. in the second half. Yeah, And Murray's not there. Yeah. And Denver was playing back-to-back. And here's where you say, well, somebody told me on the set that when you play back-to-back, that you it start It wasn't fresh, somebody. It was you Big go, T. But you go somebody. and you run out of gas at the end of the third quarter. But since it's early in the season, that doesn't count. Right. I forgot all your rules, man. Well, you need to pay better attention then. <laughs> pay some better attention, and then you'll know the rules. And somebody told you that Caleb Rep was going to be somebody. <laughs> Sione Stockton. Says eighty two and zero is still possible. It is. I can't argue that. Live the dream. But I would be willing to bet large <laughs> amounts of money, money that they are going to lose a game. <laughs> it's amazing that teams win in the seventies. It's very rare, but it's really amazing when you think about that. That that would, that's been accomplished a couple times, right? And that's an incredible amount of winning. The winning percentage is just it's it's. Something that I can't even grasp, even though I've seen it. Been alive to watch it twice. It's it's beyond comprehension. And that's still those teams are losing 9, 10, 11 games. Mm-hmm. That you would even care that much. You have to have the care factor involved in that. Even if you're fighting for the one seed, you usually have that... There's a good chance you have it at 60 wins. You certainly have it at 65. Right. So to go out there and push for the next seven wins. Right. When you got to play hurt, you got to play sick, you got to play tired or exhausted. Yeah. Yeah. And it gets mind numbing to where, and I've been in this situation just as a writer, you're coming back to the hotel, you step on the elevator, and you literally cannot remember the room because you're not for a moment there. You're, you're, you're not sure what city you're in because every elevator shaft looks the same, basically, right? You got the things there. You got the wood paneling. You and got a bunch of and buttons and lights. And if you're Buddy the Elf, you press all of them. <laughs> so you go all the way, you know, you stop every floor, right? Because that thing lights up. That's annoying. <laughs> Poke your head out. Yeah. This look like it? No. Yeah. Okay, next one. Yeah. And there's, there's a moment there where you're, you're literally not sure... 
what floor and what your room number is because you've been doing so much traveling. And to think that they would still have that uh, ability to focus and go get those wins is just impressive because no one in the history of regular season NBA hoop is going to turn away 65 wins and say that's not good enough. All right, DJ and PK coming up. College football fans, they are going head-to-head. The rivals and a rivalry in all things, including kickoff times. And we'll get to that next. Stay with us. This is Hanson Scotty. Let's do it. Utah needs to be able to get two yards on a fourth down when they're behind. I'm not throwing Andy Ludwig under the bus for the fourth down play. I just think that there could have been more running the stinking football. They ran the ball on first down, did not on second, third, and fourth. I'm sure that these coaching staffs get sick of hearing the second guessing. And in their mind, they're like, fine, you come in and call but it. But Kyle's second guessing. It'd be tough, which is easy for him to do, too. I'm sure Andy Ludwig is probably sitting down with him like, hey, Kyle, so what did we talk about in fourth down situations? Well, if they showed this, then we do that. So what did they show, Kyle? This. And if I'm Kyle Whittingham, like, so how many points did we score on that drive? Zero. Okay, don't effing do that ever again. <laughs> and don't you ever have that condescending voice with me ever again, Andy. <laughs> what kind of a show is this? Catch Hans Olsen and Scotty G every day from noon to 3 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. Hot Takes Your Toast is brought to you by Utah Facial Plastics. Losing your hair? It's 2021, and you don't have to. UFP Hair Restoration offers a range of cutting-edge therapies to restore thick hair permanently. Just text HAIR to 801-960-3137 for 15% off any hair loss treatment or visit www.utahairmd.com. BYU and Utah play on TV same time Saturday night. Which game's going to have the better Ratings. Oh, we'll settle this forever. Forever. Yeah. No, we won't. Oh, sure you will. Nope. No, this will settle it. It's like when you're driving down I-15 and you live in Sandy. Do I buzz over to I-80 and down to 215? So you, you never really know unless you have two cars right there at the exact moment. And they each go at the exact same time. That's the only way you'll ever know which way is shorter. And now here... They kick off within seconds of each other. And let's just go, let's go, you know, with a little poetic license. So they kick off exactly at the same time. And now we'll know whoever has the higher of the ratings, you are the more popular team in our community. And the other one, we're just going to cast aside. Richard is ready to have both of them cast aside. DVR those games and watch UFC 267. Richard. <laughs> How's Rich, that? Richard's the outlier. Any different from 265 or 268? What makes 267 so special? It's football season. It's college football season. Saturday night. So much riding on the line. First place on the line for the Utes. The four and three Utes can still win the South. In fact, they're favored to win the South. Bronco Mendenhall and his traveling revival return to Provo. <laughs> his traveling revival. They're going to put up a big tent in the field. <laughs> Why is there a tent 
over the track thing over there uh, south of the stadium. His quarterback is a B.A. 400 yards per game. Yeah, but that has nothing to do with it. He's, he's legitimately a B.A. He's a B.A. Nice. He's, he's legitimately a B.A. It has nothing to do with any stat. His name is Brandon Armstrong. He's a B.A. <laughs> Looking forward to this so much. <laughs> Yeah, I knew where I was going. <laughs> Things I get to say on the radio tomorrow. <laughs> I picked it up. He's a B.A. You can't argue. Their quarterback is a B.A. Mark says, which game is Rod Gilmore calling? There's your answer right there. That would be the Utah game. What? Why is that your answer? What's Rod Gilmore? Fans love to rip on him as an analyst. Oh, brother. What Garrett you... says anyone but Beth Mullins on the call. Oh, would we stop with this nonsense of who's announcing a game? Who gives a flying you-know-what who's announcing the game? Well, apparently, Garrett, but for reasons that aren't clear, he says, well, I'll be at the Ute game. You really don't care who's announcing the game if you're at the game. You're not watching it. No, that's for what sure. What do you care about the broadcast for if well, you're in the stadium? But did he say the same thing? He did. Anyone but Beth Mullins on the call, oh, seven exclamation okay. points. Well, I'll be at the Ute game. <laughs> well, who cares who's calling either game who, if you're at Beth the Ute game? Beth Mullins? Beth Mullins. Who is Beth Mullins? It's not L, it's a W. Mullins. How do you know? I don't know how the game's going to turn out. Why do you assign it an L rather than a W? You can't do that. You're just screwing around there. <laughs> so... <laughs> To think that stuff might have worked on me 20 years ago. <laughs> well, you're, you're assigned. I don't know who Beth Mullins is. Kyle says ESPN usually beats. Uh, you know, this is a good one. ESPN usually always <laughs> beats ESPN. That doesn't make any two. sense. Well, which one is it? Usually or always? <laughs> it usually always beats ESPN, too. And with a late kickoff, that usually favors West Coast teams as far as ratings go. I like that. I'm certain it probably will be. <laughs> I'm almost positively certain that it could happen here. They don't, they don't quite grasp the language. Definitely, maybe. <laughs> Yeah, but see, that's what BYU, you claim you've got this international galactic fan base. Yep. So you want to be on ESPN2 to prove it even more. Oh, yeah, if you get better ratings on ESPN2, and Kevin makes a good point here, Utah will have better ratings because both teams are in the West. Most Virginia fans are going to be asleep by halftime. It's not about the opposing fan base. It's about your fan base. Well, both fan bases count in the ratings, PK, so it is Right, but BYU claims this mega-gob national fan base. So if they win in the ratings when they're playing the team from back east, who is going to have some casual fans who fall asleep? Big deal. If the TV's on, who cares? Good point. (laughs) If you fall asleep with the TV on, you get the ratings points. Yeah. Uh, you and your boy, the herd. You two just live and die by TV ratings. So this, this is. I, I wrote this question specifically for I, you. I knew you did. I knew I was going to get mocked <laughs> as soon as I read this. Not mocked. Yes, I'm mocked. pointing out fact. Mocked. You and the herd. Your guy who bring the state taxes that you thought was so important. You love that dude. He's your hero. And I listen to him. You yeah, don't get a, satellite, a but I do. So you listen to him, and I don't. But he's my hero. Years ago, you did. Yeah, because you don't Years have satellite. Years ago, I did. Yeah, he's on TV. I could go home and watch him. He shows. Right, but you can't. I'm, I only listen to him at home. I mean, just to me, driving right. home. Yeah. yeah. And then he goes on, and he just hammers TV ratings. You you jo- two are the guys who live by TV ratings, because it's your business. I get it. Josh says, the team with the national following and the football tradition. To which Ryan answers, so UCLA 1, oh, two, yeah, Virginia yeah. 3, and Utah 4. 
The Utes for the worst football tradition in Virginia. Mm. I'm not really up to par with Virginia's football tradition. To be, so I don't know that I can answer that. Uh, you know, maybe if, if tradition, if you're going to go back and bring in the dog years, but the Utes are so far removed away from the dog years that now they, they pack them in. They're just a dusty page in the history books. In my mind, they are. They don't have anything to do with now. They don't, no. I go to the stadium, and it looks virtually full. You see people tailgating, and it, you know, it looks 30, big time to me. You know, 30 years ago, they had rotted wooded That's bleachers here. And I they did. I, but wasn't, I didn't go to the stadium yeah. 30 years ago. I go now, and I've been all over the country, literally, covering games, and their atmosphere is big time. BYU and Virginia, Scott says, because both teams are playing well. Yeah, it's funny that uh, you got these two teams in the Pac-12 coming off losses, disappointing losses, I guess you could say. And uh, now they're that's a be... five and three versus a four and three. UCLA's five and three. The Utes are four and three, as opposed to six and two versus six and two down in Provo. Yeah. It's funny in this way, the Utes only 4-3, and three, but yet they're favored to win the South. What does that say? <laughs> We're back to that. What does it say? It says the South is smelly. It says the South is bad. It says the Utes changed quarterbacks. It says the Utes won three in a row after they changed quarterbacks. And when they did lose, they lost while giving up 34 points. Excuse me, while scoring 34 points. Yeah, the offense. So the offense has been been humming the last three weeks. Yeah, defensively, that's that's where. That's the big question. They're just immature right now. How is UCLA going to be able to run the ball on Utah? Easily. Straight ahead, side to side. They run it easily, and the Utes are in trouble, and four and four is a possibility. Oh, I, I think they win, though. They're going to win some outrageous 45-41 game? Well, I, got, I, I just don't think DTR is – I'm not as confident as Kyle that he's going to be able to play. And if you play a freshman quarterback, uh, come on. In his first start on the road, that's exactly what happened to Sam Darnold. But let's see. And they lost that game. Utes won that game. So I think that's a, that's a major advantage. And they already had an advantage because the Lord didn't play when they played Washington State. So they may get it again. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Coming up in the 8 o'clock hour, Joe Ingles. He will be here at 8.30 for his weekly visit. Riley Jensen, our college football insider and mental performance coach, will join us next right here on 97.5 at 12.80 The Zone. Visit the Ford Fan Zone on Level 6. It's your next jazz game. Level 6 has free Papa Shot games, cornhole, and foosball tables. Enjoy incredible city mountain views while relaxing, enjoying food and drink, taking in the game, and socializing with friends. DJ PK, it is time now to bring in our college football insider, Riley Jensen. Riley joins us right now. On the Smart Rain guest line, Utah will be in a drought next summer. Smart Rain knows the 2022 budget planning for most businesses is coming soon. Take advantage of their Save Now, Pay Later promotion and do your part by saving water while saving money. Check out Best of State Award winner Smart Rain at smartrain.net. Riley, good morning. Good morning, guys. What's going on? Broncos coming back. The Bruins are coming to town. And what for them is an elimination game? It's a big night of college football Saturday. 
Yeah, I'm 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 actually really excited about football this weekend. Oh, good. <laughs> Thanks, Riley. Have a good day. We'll talk to you later. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry. I was I was kind of organizing my next thought. Uh, look, I think that Bronco coming back to town is he's a, it's a real beginning dynamic. Uh, there there were people that loved Bronco. There were people that didn't like Bronco, both inside and outside the program. But I think, I think what we've known for a long time is that Bronco is a very good coach. And and the reason why I think Bronco is a fantastic coach is because expectations for his players are always very, very clear. Now you may love it, you may hate it, you may hate a quest for perfection uh, type T-shirt or some sort of like mantra that is offensive to another team or even even inside you may not like the way that he presents it but there is not one player that played for Bronco and I Bronco was my defensive coordinator when I was when I was playing at Snow College that's how that's how far back that's how old I am now right and he he's just very clear about what it takes to play for him what it takes to to succeed and all those sorts of things, and he's a little stoic in nature. I mean, we did a we did a skit when I was a freshman in college. I was scared to death because all the guys were making me do, you know, an impersonation of Bronco. And he used to wear his Oregon State cleats with his number. And I got the coaches to steal his cleats out of his locker and let me wear it. So, and man, I was so nervous about kind of poking fun at Coach Bronco. And he came out he came out at the end, and he just had like a little smile just a little tiny smile, and he goes, well done, Jensen, well done. And, and that's about all you get out of Bronco, right? Like, that's about all you get out of him, you know? And it, and it, and it was uh, – but, but man, the, you talk to a player that played for him, and there's this, there's this deep level of respect for him, and I, and I anticipate that this is going to be um, – Oh, a hard fought game because you know Kalani wants to win this game and you know Bronco wants to win this game and so it's going to be very very interesting doesn't BYU have to just pulverize these guys so it sends a message to LDS kids don't go across the country stay right here <laughs> I mean I I think in some ways we, we overrate like wins and losses as to whether you know whether somebody's going to go to a school or not. I mean, every kid has to decide whether it's a good fit. Most LDS kids, if they if if they're really wanting that that BYU experience, they can't they can't get that BYU experience at Virginia. But if it's a really really smart, good football player who's who's maybe not all just not not that he's not all in on the religion, but he feels like he's religious and that he can get everything that he wants at both schools. That's, that's the player that you have to worry about. But I think you bring up the word pulverize, and as I've been looking through the stats a little bit, one of the things that stands out to me in this game, and I think you'll see this develop during the game, is that BYU has to run the football very, very effectively, and they have to keep this offense for Virginia off the field Virginia's offense is rated fourth in the country. BYU's defense is 72nd. But I think the one that's the most, I think the, the statistic that I'm most interested in is, is BYU's defense is 113th in the country in third down defense. 
and Virginia's offense is 15th in the country in third down offense, meaning getting off the field for BYU is a huge deal against this offense. And, man, that statistic right there just makes me really nervous for BYU. And then you've got, you know, you've got, this quarterback that threw for 400 yards and four touchdowns, then he ran for two touchdowns last week. I mean, this is, this is it has to be easily the most high-powered offense that Broncos ever had. So is BYU secondary up to the test? Is it even fair to put it on the secondary? Are they going to be dropping eight and trying to clog the lanes? And, and uh, Dylan Cauley was explaining to us how that confuses receivers as they try to decide which route they're supposed to be running on a given play because they usually have a couple options. So how, how does BYU slow down this passing attack? Well, so this is, this is my theory on, on defensive backs, and I've thought this for a long time. And if you, you think about the University of Utah and all the great defensive lines, Yeah, you think about that, PK. I am. Think about that while Yacht calls Riley back. I'm thinking about it. <laughs> what have you come up with so far? I'm still in the process of thinking. So I haven't reached a conclusion. I, I don't know how I feel about this particular game. I can look at the stats. Yeah. But I don't know what is true in this particular game. I know the stats as they related to the other games. What does that mean this game? Not sure yet. Well, Riley, we've been thinking about it. You ordered us to think about it, and then you went away. <laughs> I, I actually just lost my train of thought. What did, I, what, what did I say that threw me off? Why did you get hang up on me? I don't even know what's going on here. Totally confused. You're going Scott Gerard on us. <laughs> I... I, I seriously did. I lost my turn of thought. Oh, I thought you were just. I thought you were screwing around with us. I asked no, you about no. the the BYU secondary. Can they handle this? Is it even fair oh, to yeah, put yeah. on the secondary? Because are they going to be dropping eight? Got it. So my my theory on on defensive backs and slowing people down. If you if you think about the University of Utah in the past, you think about the different things that go on with 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 defense. When you have a great defensive line. You produce great defensive backs. Defensive backs make all kinds of plays when you have a great defensive line. Um, and and the, the point that I would make that, that even proves it even further is I, there was a few defensive backs that played with me at Utah State University that I thought were great defensive backs. They didn't put up great stats. And then they went on into the NFL and played great football for seven, ten years. And I think the biggest difference is when a defensive line can put pressure on a quarterback or when a defensive line can can fluster a quarterback a little bit by only rushing four or only rushing three, and then, then DBs can make plays. Nobody, I don't care who you are, I don't even think Deion Sanders could have done that. Well, maybe Deion Sanders, but throw everybody else out. But nobody can cover a guy for six, seven seconds downfield. Nobody can do that. It's just... It's not even possible. And so, to me, there has to be some sort of hesitation created for this quarterback or some sort of, of like, man, I'm not sure if I should throw this ball. And whether that's – I mean, I kind of feel like BYU's defense has been big into rushing three and dropping eight. But I think they've got to mix it up a little. They've got to bring some different pressures. They've got to do some different man-on-man schemes. They've got to do some things to kind of – mix up this quarterback because if you don't he's just going to sit back there and throw for 404 touchdowns and that 
to me, that does not bode well for BYU. And I'm, I'm really surprised that because if you look at Virginia's stats, they're throwing for 400, but they're just, they're rushing for just over 100 a game. I'm surprised that their third down efficiency is so high. That means that they're doing really, really good high percentage passing on first and second down, and that that's how you that's how you get them off the field is. You've got to make good plays on first and second down, and not not hang everything on third down. So you have two guys who have BYU experience coaching there. One's coaching now, one coached before, and their styles are a little bit different, as you said. Bronco doesn't necessarily is a warm fuzzy guy. Where Kalani will just hug you and practically uh, you know kiss you on the lips as far as that goes. I mean, he's so warm and receptive and open. What does a player look for in a head coach when it comes to that stuff? Well, I think I think when you're young, this, this is interesting because I've kind of evolved on my thinking on this. I know when I was young, I loved a player's coach, right? Like I had a I had a coach by the name of, of Coach Mike Canales. Some people call him Chico. I mean, he was what I would call a player's coach. I mean, he was always celebrating your wins. When you made a good play in practice, there was a high five and a butt slap. And it just really, like, it it felt like it energized me. And then my next offensive coordinator was a guy by the name of Ed Larson, who's the head coach at Lehigh. And, dude, I had to fight for a compliment from that dude when I was playing. And now now I'm really tight with him now, and, and we're really good friends now, but when I was playing for him, it was like I was fighting for my dad's approval. Like, you can't believe. Like, it was like if I got a compliment, I could have ran on that for four months from him. And there was a couple times where he called me out in front of the team. But my best season was under Ed Larson, and it, and it wasn't even close compared to the – and on, I had Bobby Petrino as a coach. He wasn't necessarily a player's coach. He was, he was really hard on me. And then I had Dave Arslanian, who was a player's coach. What I would say is the common denominator or, or, or the thing that I think is most, most important is the great ones want to be coached. The great ones want to, they want to know that not only do, do, do you respect my game, but you are going to push me as far as I can go. Because when I look back on my career, my best seasons were with coaches that, were, that, that weren't necessarily my best friend and they weren't necessarily players' coaches, but man, I think they showed me love in a different way. They showed me love in a way that they believed in me and they kept pushing me and kept pushing me and kept pushing me. And I think a lot of those guys that played for Bronco, they really loved loved him because he pushed them, right? Now, it doesn't mean that if you're a player's coach that you can't be somebody that pushes, but you can't be the guy, you know, sometimes player's coach gets mixed up with – kind of these coaches that move the goalposts on you. They're like, well, no, you're doing great, man. We love you, but you never play, right? And so they never give you real feedback. They never give you real stuff. And so if you're going to be a player's coach or if you're going to be a hard-nosed coach, I don't care which one it is, as long as you're consistent in your message and as long as you're truthful in what you're trying to tell the player so that he can get on the field. you got to tell guys the truth. If you don't tell them the truth, that becomes really, really hard when you know it's like Charlie Brown when I can't remember is it Lucy that moves the ball out yeah. from underneath him when he tries to kick it right. Yeah. There's coaches like that. There's coaches that are like, no, everything's good, everything's good. Well, and then all of a sudden you're falling on your back and you're going, wait, I thought you told me if I did this I would play, right? And so 
that's something that coaches learn over the years. It's something that players learn over the years. And I think, I think you can do both styles as long as there's truth underlying both of those. Is UCLA going to run through Utah the way Oregon State did? Yeah, I, I, the, the Oregon State game was really fascinating for me to watch because that's, that was an impressive run game from Oregon State. Now, I don't, their passing game was nice and complimentary, but I, I don't think I've seen anybody run the ball like that in the Pac-12 since Utah's been in the Pac-12. Like, that, that was impressive, like, hard-nosed, like, just, just knock-your-teeth-out type offensive football. And I just have a hard time believing that UCLA's the same way. Now, UCLA, I thought, when I, and really my reference is the LSU game, which is not that impressive of a win now, but they are much more physical than they they have been in the past. I think there's a level of physicality that's better, but they run a little bit different running scheme than than what Oregon State does, and I think the running scheme that, that Oregon State, State runs is more difficult for the U than the running game that, that UCLA will use, and so I kind of feel like they're not going to be able to run through the Utes like Oregon State did. I think I think you're talking about a really, really tough ball game. I don't know if their quarterback's going to play, and I think that makes a difference because I think even though his stats aren't, like, spectacular, he's like 50 or 60 yards running and 250 yards passing. It's still 300 yards of total offense, right? It, it, I think this is a game that the Utes win, but it's going to be a dogfight. It's going to be a dogfight. How do you explain them stumbling inside the five-yard line multiple times? Shouldn't you know you got something that you can count on? Yeah. I, I, I'll, tell you what, I'll tell you what's interesting about Kyle this year is, and he, said, he hasn't said it outright. I've listened to a couple of his interviews, but he's buying into some of this analytics, right? And he's, he's definitely gone for it on fourth down more than I've ever seen him. Uh, at least that I can remember, and I, I love it slash hate it, right? Like, and 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 he's even said like, look, we're we're looking at the analytics. Now, there's a lot that goes into it. It's not all about analytics, but I I felt like he's been much more aggressive. My question would be, and I don't know what's going on in the background, but uh, I think uh, Coach Ludwig has got to have this figured out now that that Coach Winningham is being more aggressive that he does have a signature play or he does have some sort of like mindset as they get inside the five or inside the 10 yard line that he's probably got four downs. Um, And so I I think they've got to get a little bit more of an identity in the red zone there. But what I will say is it may have been in the past that he'd been so used to the conservative nature of not going that he was like, okay, well, we'll play for a field goal here. And, you know, you know, I felt like you can't say that, that Utah left 21 points on the board because you don't always get touchdowns when you're doing things. But if you kick field goals, they missed one, and then they had two opportunities on fourth downs. I mean, nine points is, is a big deal in that game. And I don't know what the answer is because I, I get nervous about tempting the football gods. If you don't take an easy three points, they're not going to give you seven points when you need it. And that's... It just makes me nervous, but the analytics is telling everybody to go for it on fourth down. I mean, 
Kalani's more aggressive. You know, Coach, you know, uh, Coach Winningham's more aggressive. I feel like Utah State's been aggressive. Somehow there's an analytic out there that says, go for it on fourth down. And I, I think that's the way of the future, I guess. But, man, it, it feels like they left some points on the board. More likely to win their division, the Utes or the Aggies? <laughs> the Aggies. The Aggies, man. They got a way easier schedule. I mean, dude, you, you get a little bit of football luck. I mean, they, they probably they probably could have lost that game on Friday night. Colorado State gets, you know, they they get all confused going in for their their last second kick, and they they miss wide left. Utah State gets a, a big win. They're five and two, and I I mean I feel like their schedule lightens up considerably right now. And man. I mean, I've even heard, and so this isn't a criticism of, of Coach Anderson because I've heard him say it. He, he didn't say it in these words, but it's been a little bit of smoke and mirrors this year for Utah State. I mean, they're not real deep at the D-line. They're not deep at linebacker. They've been doing enough to slow teams down. They've been putting up, they've been putting up points in an exciting brand of football. I've, I'm way excited right now about Utah State football, and I know it's not, you, you know, it's not like, I mean, I don't think there's any chance that they win the Mountain West Conference against San Diego State or Fresno, but they have a real good chance to be in that game right now. And it's just, it's a real compliment to this this coaching staff. They've done a great job. It's an exciting brand of football. I really like watching it. There's local players, there's snow college players, there's out-of-state players. It's just a really good mix of people. And then, you know, I... It's really fun to watch them either on TV or in person and just see how how great that student section is and how fun it is to be a, a Utah State fan and, and watch that kind of environment go on. Riley, as always, we appreciate it. We will talk to you again next week. I appreciate it, guys. Thank you so much. Joe Ingles is coming up next right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. This is Hanson Scotty. Let's do it. Utah needs to be able to get two yards on a fourth down when they're buying. I'm not throwing Andy Ludwig under the bus for the fourth down play. I just think that there could have been more running the stinking football. They ran the ball on first down, did not on second, third, and fourth. I'm sure that these coaching staffs get sick of hearing the second guessing. And in their mind, they're like, fine, you come in and call but it. But Kyle second guessed it. tough, which is easy for him to do, too. I'm sure Andy Ludwig is probably sitting down with him like, hey, Kyle, so what did we talk about in fourth down situations? Well, if they showed this, then we do that. So what did they show, Kyle? This. And if I'm Kyle Whittingham, like, so how many points did we score on that drive? Zero. Okay, don't effing do that ever again. And don't you ever have that condescending voice with me ever again, Andy. <laughs> what kind of a show is this? Catch Hans Olsen and Scotty G every day from noon to 3 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. Hey, yeah! This is the Zone Sports Network. Back to Joe and he'll flush! And it's time to hear from the best looking, most charismatic, and certainly the most intelligent member of the Utah Jazz. Jingle Bells! Joe Ingles. Gives it back to Joe till the cop slams it in. And yes, for the record, Joe wrote this introduction. This is the Joe Ingles Show. <laughs> With DJ and PK. Who? On 97.5, 1280, The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network.
Time to welcome in Joe Ingles. He's on the Smart Rain guest line. Utah will be in a drought next summer. Smart Rain knows the 2022 budget planning for most businesses is underway. Take advantage of the Save Now Pay Later promotion and do your part by saving water while saving money. Check out Best of State Award winner Smart Rain at smartrain.net. Joe, good morning. Hi. <laughs> Come on, Joe. You're 3-0. and You're playing well. You're winning games. How about a little more energy? Hi. Uh, come on. Hi, guys. This is awesome. Yeah, that's better. That's a little bit better. I can, I can live with that. I want to know right off the bat, when was the last time you got ejected from a game? Um, I don't think I ever have. Ever, um, huh? That was the first no. one. No, I don't think I ever have, so... At any um, level? Nah. <laughs> okay. So was there a level of surprise? It didn't look like it was an ejection uh, worthy, but nevertheless, that's what it was. Yeah, I mean, I I guess I understand the, the I guess, the reasoning behind it in terms of him being obviously in the air and um, obviously the full didn't look great. Um, he obviously was pretty high up and, and I, I spoke to him, I've, I've spoken to him and he, he was very well aware that it wasn't on purpose and um, he, he was okay, obviously, first and foremost, which was the, the main thing of, of the concern. But um, yeah, I was, I mean, I was trying to get out of his way. Once he, once I saw he was lining up to, to try and dunk it that split second I tried to kind of pull out and, and get out of the way and he, he kind of clipped the side of me and um, obviously had the fall so um, I for sure thought it was going to be a flag of one um, I don't know exactly what the words and terming, uh, terminology is but I didn't think it was that but Obviously, they, they yeah. make the call, and at the end of, I mean, it is what it is. We won the game, and, and again, obviously, I, I wanted to make sure he, he was okay, and, and he was, and um, someone actually sent me the clip after of him talking to the media, and he, he, he said that he knew I didn't do it on purpose and, and stuff like that. So that's all good. Um, it is what it is. We move on. Seemed like it was a letter of the law type of thing. Yeah, I mean, I guess the interesting part is you see different nights, things get called, certain ways or not certain ways I mean it does like I said it is what it is um, at the end of the day like I said I, I was hoping that he was okay because I think he grabbed his wrist or his, his elbow or something right. and um, obviously I had zero intentions to, to hurt the kids um, even though the rest of the game he locked up our guys <laughs> he's yeah. the defender yeah. um, but he was okay and that, that's the main thing so um, I'm glad we won Um but yeah, I won't be running back on transition defense anymore. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Quinn can't wait to hear that. <laughs> That'll bump him up. <laughs> yeah, we just can't risk it, Quinn. I don't dare do it. So get a sense. You're right. The important stuff here is you won the game and he's okay. So now let's get to the more interesting, unimportant stuff. When you get kicked out really early in a game, in a road game, like what do you do? You're not at home. You can't go home. Do you just sit in the locker and watch the game? Do they bring you the post-game spread at halftime? What do you do? Yeah, it's extremely boring. I can tell you that. <laughs> um, yeah, it was. I mean, I walked back there, and um, obviously Rudy Gay was back there um, with him not playing at the moment. Um, and it definitely 
helps me um, realise even more that I don't want to do any kind of video or scouting or anything because they were all just sitting there watching the game and obviously cutting up the film as it goes and um, we watch clips at half time and, and sometimes after the game or guys want their clips on the plane to watch to the next the next city or whatever and they're all sitting back there like coding the game and doing all that so it's definitely a, <laughs> a clear cut thing that I am not doing that when I retire um, yeah, I had some food, had a shower, um, <laughs> Smoke. obviously watched the, watched the game, watched the, watched the game still. Um, Call I your mean, wife. Yeah. I texted Renee, yeah, Renee was texting me, I think Renee texted me, and she's actually listening right now, driving Jacob to school, but um, she texted me and was like, all right, well, I'm going to go to bed, because <laughs> I don't need to watch you. <laughs> yeah, she can get an early night. Um yeah, it's not uh, it's not ideal. I won't be uh, putting myself in a position to do that again. Well, then you come back against the Nuggets and you have that outrageously hard foul against Green. What's going on? Oh my gosh, that's, that's so typical of Jeff flopping like that too. I said to the referee, I've played with him long enough to know he was going to fall over then. But no, Jeff's my guy. I, he's genuinely one of my favorite people in the world. So three games in, and you've been through this so many times now. Is the uh, what? What is the level of urgency as far as getting better? I mean, I know you have to, and all that. You're you're beating some bad teams, or in the case of Denver, a team that's just incredibly shorthanded. Mary's out, and then Jokic goes out in the second quarter. That's like sixty-one million dollars worth of salary. And you guys are rolling. So is it? Are you able to create that urgency to get better when you're winning all the time? Oh, for sure. I think um, the the ease of it, I guess, is that we have. I, I guess we've we've played well in the regular season for for a few years now, um, and figured out different things that that are good and, and things that we've struggled with. And then obviously in the playoffs, um, I mean, what's the furthest we've been is, is the second round. So the, the whole season, you're you're figuring things out and, and working on things that weren't good from the year before or years before. Um, I mean, obviously we're not preparing for the playoffs now, but, but you're doing stuff and, and trying to get better at things to, to make sure you are playing well at that time of the year. Um, obviously for us, the, the switching defense has always been something that teams go to and, and whoever wants to judge it, whether it be successful or we, we've played well against it sometimes and we've, we've sucked against it sometimes. And, um, I mean, I think, I mean, obviously I didn't play the end, of, the, the end of Sacramento game, but watching it on TV, they went small with Harrison Barnes at the, the five and the guys did a hell of a job of, of beating it and, and defending too. I think we gave up like two or three, four, two or four points or something like that in the last like three or four minutes of that game. And then last night, same thing with with Jamai or both Greens out there at certain times, um, and we were able to, to. I think one of the I said a post game with with Locke. Um, one of our things has been to to realise when teams are switching and realise like that maybe not that first possession, but even if it is that first possession, being able to execute what we want to execute because there was times last night that we. We knew when they were going to switch or, or hedge and, and try and get back, and we were able to get off the ball and 
moved the ball and we got layer after layer. Um, Realising defensively what we're trying to do when when teams are small, when the, when the bigs are popping or they're trying to get a certain matchup. And I think we've done a good job, obviously, very small sample size in three games and the amount of minutes we've had to do that. But I think overall it's been been good and um, it's something we've we've focused on. So I think for the, throughout the course of the year, there's going to be different times that we we need to be switched on. I think that, that urgency of just knowing what we want to do, being ready every game, knowing who we're playing, knowing when certain lineups are out there, how we want to play. Um, and I think, obviously, again, small sample size, but so far we've been pretty good at it. Yeah, for sure. And you individually look extremely comfortable coming off the bench. I can make an argument that it's the most comfortable you've looked since you've been in that role and you've bounced back forth between starting and coming off the bench. It looks like that's what it's going to be. And it looks like, as I say, you're very comfortable. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, I feel um, maybe not surprising to me or Renee or my family, but to maybe to other people. But I feel I feel really good. I, I Obviously, confident out there. My body probably feels up there with the best it's felt. Um, I obviously went straight to the Olympics, but then had a good break and um, obviously didn't play the preseason and all that. And, and probably at the time, didn't know if that was a, a good thing or not. But now, looking back, uh, obviously, I played an extra 15 games in the summer so I had the legs of, of a game um, under me already and, and just needed to, to get a bit of a break and get away and um, yeah I just yeah I don't know I, I feel really good out there obviously the the comfortableness that you're talking about is, is obviously for being here for so long and, and being my eighth season and, and knowing what Quint wants and, and what he expects and um, familiarity with playing with, with the guys I play with now um, obviously Hassan and Eric are kind of new to that that second unit with, with a few of us but um, yeah I just feel uh, I feel really good I I yeah I don't know what else to, to say I feel like um, every year I've tried to get better or do something um, better or more efficient um, and I think I mean for me it, it's it's no different I'm going to go out there and play, play the way I play try to help us win and um yeah, see what happens at the end of the year. Have you guys changed anything the way you're uh, doing anything that gets Rudy closer to the rim more often? He's grabbing 19 rebounds a game, and I know it's a small sample size, but that's like 50% more rebounds than he was getting before, and he was already a really good rebounder. So is there any explanation for that, or it's just one of those things that's happened over three games? I don't know. He's probably got a bonus in his contract or something this year to get more rebounds. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> um, no, I think uh, again, like I was saying about myself, every everybody goes away each year and tries to figure out something they can do better or something they can kind of kind of help the team with or, or improve on. And, and like you said, his rebounding is not necessarily like it needed improving, but um, we know how good we are when we are, when we aren't obviously giving up offensive rebounds that we can get out and run and. Um, I think probably not as much this year. I think Coach gave us a stat again, which is small sample size, but we were in the lower half of defensive rebounds um, to start this year off. So um, Maruti's obviously a key to that. Hassan's a key to getting them. Um, he, he, they both protect the rim, and 
um, I think for all of us to lock in on like getting a hit and, and getting the rebound because we are so good in transition. We we get out and run. Rudy's on the rim. We've got shooters out there. Uh, it's an advantage for us. So we have to. It's something we have to lock in on throughout the year. And and again, obviously Rudy and Hassan are kind of the the main pieces of that. So you talk about how you feel really good and it's as good as you felt. And and Mike Conley was talking about how he did yoga to make sure that he's doing everything he can to make himself in prime physical condition. Have you done anything different? Do you have a method that has gotten you to this point to where you feel so good? Um, I actually did some Pilates last year when during kind of COVID once we were allowed to do things um, with Renee. Renee and I would go down to a local spot with our uh, with our girl Sammy and we we did it three times a week. I think that was something that, that did definitely really helped me um and i think they're kind of just getting away from basketball like not, not just like running on the court or not just going and shooting every day and um i think as you get older you you find different things to um just kind of keep your body ticking over or, or things that you learn over time like we've talked about as you get older you learn what you can eat and drink and not take or whatever you caffeine or how much you can have or all, all these things that we um, think about as, as athletes to try and get the best out of us, whether it be um, me not playing preseason this year. Like I, I've never not done that. I've always played at least a couple of the games. And again, I was kind of nervous a little bit, just thinking I would be underdone and, and obviously trusting um, the, the medical staff to like, no, you'll be fine. You've played enough games. You've done enough running. You've done enough lifting. Um, and I think as you get older, you figure, I think one of the prime examples of that is, is Joe Johnson. I, I still remember when he first got here and obviously he was um, at the end of his career when, when we got him, but he did hot yoga every game day. And obviously that's not for everybody because it's kind of dehydrating as well if you don't drink enough fluids and all that. But that was what he did. and They, he loved it and it was good for his body. And he would do that before our shoot rounds. Um, so it's just just as you get older, I think different things and, and different people find things. And um, I haven't done much different this year, obviously with the, the turnaround of time, just because of the Olympics and, and obviously kind of getting back and spending some time with Renee and the kids. And then it was kind of, we were right back into it. But um, I think a part of it as well, sorry for the, the long answer, but um, it's just being, being home, being comfortable and settled at home and the, the kids and, and Renee and, and everything um, I guess away from basketball is, is is in a really good spot the kids are really happy Jacob's dominating therapy Jack's 11 months and nearly walking and, and Renee's in a good spot with um, kind of a good group of friends now here over the time and um, for me that's obviously very settling to, to have that so um yeah, it's just all, all around things are, things are good. Yeah, the American way of life really is good, Joe. I'm glad you've seen it. No, it's our Australian um, <laughs> culture we have in our household. Still resisting, jeez, <laughs> after all these years. And yet he's raising got, a president, so, yeah, you know. An American one. I've got ties to him. No, we already cut his passport off. He's only got an Australian one now. <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh you are you are mixing a little Australian and American culture here. You got a luncheon coming up. What is going on here? How do people get involved? What's the deal? Explain it to us. We do. Um, 
obviously everyone that's followed us and, and Jacob's journey um, and what we tried or have tried to, to raise awareness for and, and, and funding, obviously. Um, we were on the board of Culture City who do amazing things in, in this space. And um, November, November 12th, um, we have a luncheon at the Grand America Hotel. Um, it's 11 o'clock till 2 o'clock. Um, entertainment, some talks, obviously the, the, the money from the tickets and tables that are available and, and some sponsorships um, is being 100% donated to, to raising awareness and, and obviously the funding of, of families and stuff that need it, sensory rooms that are needed. Um, yeah, there's some, some pretty cool guests coming. Um, there is still tickets available, which is... Um, we want it to be sold out. So I, I'm going to tweet the link today. Um, I'll I'll put it up on my, my social media today, but there, there's tickets available. We'd love people to come. Um, hopefully Quinn doesn't put practice on that day because I'll have to miss it. Um, but no, it's just, a, like I said, it's obviously something we're extremely passionate about. We went to the, the Culture City Ball um, in Alabama this summer and, you just, when you're around these people, um, you realise how much good they're doing and, and we're trying to do everything in our power to, to assist with that. And um, there's some pretty uh, wealthy people here in Utah now, so we'd love them all to come and um, be a couple of things uh, auctioned off or, or given away on the day. And um, yeah, like I said, I'll, I'll post the, the link on my social media um, today and, and Renee does all the time. and. Um, yeah, if anyone can come, we'd love you to be there. So Surely 1280 can buy a table. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, DJ, with all the money he's making with the two jobs, no question about it. Uh, November 12th tell, tell, at the Grand American? Yes. Tell your boss. Yeah. Tell your boss, DJ. I will tell my boss. <laughs> all right, Joe, we'll look for that on social media and uh, put it out there and uh, tag us. We'll probably retweet it because we know you because you've done our show for eight years. You've done my show. So. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> You're consistent. Yes, he is. You got to give him that, man. All right. All right. Thanks, Joe. We appreciate it. No worries. Thanks, guys. Joe Ingles joining us right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It is a weird deal. Donovan Mitchell joked about it in the post game, although it needs to stop. Two ejections in three games on pace for a record. <laughs> Weak. I know there was nothing to that one last night. I thought, I didn't even think it was going to be a double technical. And I didn't think either guy would get kicked out. I like, they're going to give Green a tech. They stopped the game. The refs ran over. They're going to do okay, it. Okay, fine. Shoot a free throw. I know. And then, then they were bringing up the broadcast. This could be double technicals. And I thought, well, they, they are getting oh, tired okay. with this stuff. Okay, okay. Yeah, they're getting tired with this stuff. And then, boom, boom. Ejection, you're both gone. Yeah. And the only thing I can think of on the Sacramento thing with Joe is it was the letter of the law. That's, yeah. That's the only thing I can and think protect, of. And protect, I think what Joe said is right. Protect guys who are in the air. Okay, but I'm talking about the ejection. Mm-hmm. I, I, we all agree, protect guys that are in the air. Right. But it's clear he was trying to get out of the way. But because there was contact while the yep. player and was in the air, in the I guess air, and he's that's, vulnerable. That's, the, yep. that's the letter. Right. But it was almost like it was an accident. I know. Yeah. And it was like, uh, from one angle, it looked like if his foot hadn't clipped Joe's hip... He wouldn't hit the ground because Joe's right. The landing looked bad. If his foot doesn't clip Joe's hip, 
he's a pro athlete. He's not going to hit the ground that awkwardly and that hard. Even if he lands and slides. He might land on his feet, and he might land and slide, but he wouldn't hit the ground out of control. And I think what was indicative about how it was uh, in, almost like incidental contact is nobody on the other team got aggressive. Right. Yeah, well, they got more aggressive after the words in the Nuggets game than after the fall in the Sacramento game. It's also early in the season, and we've seen them really enforce stuff, set the tone for the whole year letter. And then after 20 games, it seems like that kind of stuff fades away. And they always pick out a few things to I do every year. I think those are rules, though. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think they're it'll, it'll be interesting to see if anything like this happens in game 30 or 40, or anything like the, the whatever that. I don't even know what to call that in the Nuggets game. It wasn't a fight. The uh, disagreements? A brief skirmish. A brief skirmish. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see in Game 40 if, if two guys are getting kicked out for that. I wonder how much of it was just it's the first three games of the year and everybody's real dialed in. And Later on, they'll be letting a little bit of stuff slide. I, I, don't, I don't think it's the referees who let anything slide. I mean, I think it comes from above. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 the zone. The Jazz pick up another win, three in a row to open the season. What does it say? Love it when that question comes out post game. What does it say about the Jazz? We'll get to that coming up. Stay with us. It's game week for the Utes, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. The Utes return home to the friendly confines of Rice-Eccles Stadium for a key Pac-12 South Division battle against Chip Kelly and UCLA. Listen all week for your chance to win tickets to the game and then catch the Ute pregame show Saturday with the postgame show immediately following the game. From Monday morning to the postgame press conference. Nobody brings you better coverage of youth football. You ready? Yeah! The 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's a win tickets Wednesday. Caller 12 right now will win two tickets to see country artist Brett Eldridge at the Complex this Saturday, October 30th. Tickets are available at vividseats.com and it's sponsored by Live Nation. You want to sing it, PK? No. You're bouncing. Yeah, I mean, they play this tune on the radio. I'm not a huge Brett Eldridge guy, but I know this turn tune, I should say, because it's played on the radio a fair amount. DJ PK, it is time to answer the question, what does it say? Our favorite postgame question. What does it say that the Jazz beat Denver? Go Kook says not much. No win against conference rival is always meaningful, especially at the end of the season, though, when every win matters more. Wow, it's even more so. It's division rivals. <laughs> it is. You love to ring up the divisions. But it's a division rival. Argue with me. Go ahead. I dare you. There is so little at stake in NBA divisions. There's so little at stake in basketball games if you want to break it down. Come on. People are dying. And you're worried about a basketball game? Of course, if you want to go down that road, where do you stop? That's why I don't go down that road. It's a division game, and we punked them. Nothing really. It was good to get this win, but they didn't defend or move the ball well for most of the game. Playoff bogey says. It's only game three. There's lots of work to do. Is there really lots of work to do? This team is such a veteran team, and it's such a team that has such continuity. 
Is there there's work ahead of them, but is it more or different work in that they need to change and really get better? You see what I'm saying? I think watching the games, the thing I felt is when one of the new players in is in whoever it is, the offense doesn't flow quite right. Not always because of the new guy, because but often. I think we know what it looks like when the offense looks good. Now, some of it was Donovan Mitchell trying to split double teams and turn the ball over, and that didn't have anything to do with new guys. So I think the biggest thing I'm looking at is the new guys getting the offense down pat so they're making the right decision split second. Yeah, but you would have said that six weeks ago. Right, but that that's you, all it is. Because you didn't there have to look at games to yeah. come to that conclusion. But there isn't a lot to do, so that's the conclusion I come to. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So that's the obvious default conclusion, as everybody does in sports. And you got to give them different looks and defensively, and you got to jump out to a quick start. It's all. It's like it's cliche, it's cliche. It's like you could. It's so predictable that that's what everyone would say. But it's very little. You look at the Lakers. Westbrook is the square peg, but LeBron's out, and he's not the square peg. So they got to figure that out. And they got plenty of time, but will they figure it out? Will Westbrook ever be Westbrook with LeBron and Anthony Davis? The Westbrook that we have known for years. Looks like the answer is no. I think the easy answer is to say no because he's not really built to defer. He's an aggressive player who's at his best with the ball in his hands, especially in transition. So they're going to have to but, figure that out. But the when best he has to throw the him. ball to LeBron and go to the other side of the court— that's what you need in complimentary players around LeBron, but that's Joe not Ingles. what that's right. But that's not what Westbrook no. does, right? And they knew that going in. It's no surprise. So is that so, all going to mesh? So their task is imminently much more difficult and even important than what the Jazz do. I th- we're not going to really see anything until Gay is ready to go. That's like the only intrigue left, and we're only in the third game, which I think is a great spot to be in. Doesn't mean they're going to win it all or win the title. I don't know that. I hope that, but I don't know that. But we can't know that now, and that's okay. the one thing left to know. The but other question is an answer. Continuity. Yes, and they're really good. They're much better than the bottom of the league, and I suspect they're significantly better than the middle of the league. They haven't really played the middle of the league. I don't think Denver's the middle of the league. Denver's too good to be the middle of the league. They haven't played the middle of the league yet. Well, they're better than the middle of the league. You need to see that? I don't. Significantly better, though. They're Is it going to be yes. easy to beat those teams? Uh, well, there it's, it's certainly you play 82. Yeah. Uh, on any given night, somebody can beat you. Sure. But didn't you feel like these last couple games, they're waiting to get to the fourth quarter, turn it on, and win the game? Well, once Jokic goes out, yes. Yeah. If he was still playing, he was on a furious pace. From a competition standpoint, I would have loved to see him play, uh, especially if I had paid money to come to this game. I it watched was, it on television, but if I was here, I, w- I yeah. would have been extremely disappointed. He wasn't off to a good start. He was off to a great that, start. And it would have been disappointing to me that I, I – and it's nothing that you can do. I mean, he didn't want to. He came out and – not Mike. Michael Malone had to go up to him and say, no, Don't we're, not, do that. we're not going. We're not doing this. So clearly he wanted to play, obviously. So uh, once that situation was there, I thought, okay, now just basically it was to the Jazz, don't blow this. 
And they didn't. And they didn't. It's a one-point game going to the fourth quarter, and they, they opened it up to double digits, and that was that. But even Whiteside, who has a significant role and is new, uh, it's like, all right, your role is defined here. You know what to do. Now go do it. Football Friday presented by Stonehaven Dental at Stonehaven Dental. They say yes, yes to free exams and x-rays for new patients and flexible opponents. Say yes to great dental care. Visit StonehavenDental.com to schedule an appointment. The John Watson Chevrolet High School Player of the Week Award is presented weekly to the top prep football players in northern Utah. This week's co-winners are Chet Colvin from Ogden High and Miles Draper from Syracuse High School. In the Tigers 34-28 first round win over Manti, Colvin had 24 carries for 175 yards, two scores, also scored on a 70-yard kick return. In the Titans, 33-7, first-round route of Pleasant Grove. Draper had a team-high nine tackles, two interceptions, and added a half sack. See why new and used car buyers give John Watson Chevrolet more five-star reviews than any other Chevy dealer in Utah. John Watson Chevrolet, your five-star Chevy dealer. Sweet, man. That's a heck of a game by that kid. Big numbers. And a kickoff return and all? Yeah. Exciting. And now, another round of high school football upon us. Second round this week? Second round, man. You start to, oh, man, the second round. Are you kidding me? Corner Canyon's <laughs> back in action. <laughs> yeah. I mean, who they play? I don't know. Oh. Round of 16, it doesn't matter. Round of 16 don't matter? Not for, not for Corner Canyon. It's not going to matter for, for a little bit. Not for us? Yeah, I whipped those boys into shape. <laughs> you did? Mm-hmm. You're down there? Putting them through the paces. Down air, yeah. Where? Down air. Nice. (laughs) So we got college football Saturday. Got the Aggies playing at 1 o'clock at home against Hawaii. And then 8 o'clock and 8.15. The Utes at 8 o'clock on ESPN against UCLA. BYU at 8.15 against Virginia on ESPN2. Which game is going to have the better ratings? You got the UCLA fan base. Just small. Versus the Virginia fan base. I have no idea. I've been back. I've covered a game in Virginia. Uh, 40,000 people at a game? Yeah, it sort of reminded me of a a little better Colorado State. Okay. 35 to 40,000. They love their football. But they don't live and die with it. No. But they love the day. Which is why why... Bronco, I think, took the gig. Uh, it's an academic school. Yeah. They're going to have standards. They want to win, but they don't want to win at all costs. But I mean, they want to win. They're paying a lot of money. Yeah. He's going to make a ton of money. Right. They uh, want to win. Uh, but it's the kind of school where if you win eight games, they think it's a pretty good season, as opposed to the kind of school where if you win eight games, they fire you. <laughs> so there's that. Right. Right. There, Virginia, unless there's something outrageous, I don't think any coach is getting fired midseason. They'll just wait and let it let it play out, and then they'll do it. Even if they know they're going to do it, they'll they'll let it. Whereas you look at these teams that fire guys in the middle of the season, it's like okay, that is man, you've got to win the pressure and all that stuff. Not always, because I think Georgia Southern did that, so I understand that. But yeah, but you're talking about USC and yeah. LSU and Texas Tech. Yeah, yeah. And Virginia doesn't think like any of those schools. I don't think they do. I mean, I'm yeah. not close to the situation, just judging it. I was impressed with their campus, and I went to the Charlottesville, the Jefferson thing there, and did all that in the morning of when I was back there. And, and you know, it was nice. And, and 
It was an it was an okay environment. If if my kid ever got a scholarship to Virginia to play football, I would be on top of the world for sure. So I'm not downgrading it, but I don't think it's as you say that win it at all costs type deal. I actually think, and maybe it's because it's just ignorance, uh, not having the Virginia background. But I think BYU fans demand more winning. I could see that, especially on our side of the country. I think BYU fans are right there with any fan base in terms of demanding wins and being critical if they don't get it and and wanting this coach fired, that coach fired, blah, 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 blah. Um, they, I think they have a strong, strong passion. And so they're they're the same as pretty much anybody. And I, I think uh, Utah, I would, I would put BYU fans more demanding than I would Utah fans. Not to say that they're not passionate by any stretch because they've got a big-time program. I said earlier this morning, I've been around this country uh, to cover a lot of games in all parts, literally all conferences, all stadiums, or most anyway. And Utah's game day atmosphere, it's, you know, it's not Notre Dame, but uh, few are. And it's not the SEC, but few are. But other than that, it's as good as any other place that I've been including Michigan and so forth. Now, there's more folks at Michigan, obviously. There's double the amount of people running around there. But uh, still, the atmosphere is there. But I think BYU's fans are more demanding. And they'll, they're quicker to call for uh, change if it's not going well. Well, it's going pretty well for both BYU and Virginia right now, and they're both 6-2. and two. They both had to squeak out some wins. You can both play woulda, coulda, shoulda. Oh, they could be 5-3 and three or 4-4. Four and four. Yeah, but they aren't. They're 6-2. and two. And you brought this up earlier this morning with uh, Riley. How much do the Cougars have to win? Because the coaching staff's getting plenty of competition from Bronco and Virginia coming in here and grabbing kids. Couple kids from Southern Utah. They got commits. They Leave got our boys alone. Commit from <laughs> that was nice. Felt like I was watching a football movie from 1953. I don't Leave know. our boys alone. Joe Brown, Lone Peak, uh, is committed there. I don't understand why someone would do that. Decide to go across the country to school. Yeah, it's a long way to go. The Joe Brown connection is Terrence Brown, the former BYU offensive lineman who played for Bronco, is his older brother. So. Yeah, they got the, the bloodlines there. I mean, family you, connection. You, you can't cross bloodlines. Family connection. Blood is thicker than hooch. And then they got a Come couple on. of uh, Pineview kids. <laughs> Dominique McKenzie. Brian McKenzie's uh, sons. D-Mac. Oh, D-Mac. D-Mac. Yeah. Yeah, Brian McKenzie, the former BYU running back. I remember Brian. I don't Marcus know McKenzie. Oh, and Mac. And Dominique McKenzie. Oh, yeah. You got the uh, the D and the M there going east. Yeah, good for them. That's what they want to do. I don't think I would do it. And t- I talked to uh, Fillinger, and he played at Corner Canyon, and he he's the defensive end there for the Utes, and he committed to Texas, and so and then they had to change. They fired the coordinators and blah blah blah. And so I talked to him about it, and he said, well. You know, it sounded cool to go away in Texas, <laughs> the burnt orange. You know, it's so distinguishable, right? Yep. And Austin's a great place. I've been there numerous times for work. And it just sounded like, wow, that's something I really want to do. And then I thought about it. I thought about it some more. And then they had the change. And I thought, well, wait a second here, man. Pretty much everything I want is right here. They got all that I need. 
So upon reflection, you know, I, I may have gotten caught up. And who wouldn't get caught up when, if Texas is recruiting? I don't care that Texas is not Earl Campbell, Texas, or Vince Young, Texas. It's still Texas. And that stadium, that environment, the whole spiel is, you know, it's awesome, right? If they decide yeah. to shower you with the love. Yeah. They could put on a pretty good show. Absolutely, man. No question about it, right? But the coaching change gets him thinking again, and all of a sudden yeah. there's no one to put on the show. Well, he just has time, yeah. and he reflects. He told me, he says, well, Utah has everything that I want, everything that I need. And I'm thinking to myself, yeah, well, absolutely. Know, you're a defensive lineman. Can you play in the D-line at Utah and make it to the NFL? I mean, have they really proven that? You can no. play at Weber, but uh, obviously, yeah, they literally, the University of Utah, for any kid around here, literally has everything that you could possibly want. Well, and we got more evidence of that yesterday, PK. Kingsley Suomataya, the offensive lineman. Kingsley Suomataya. Easy for you to say. He just, he went to Oregon. He's a five-star prospect. Well, he just entered the transfer portal, and everything I'm hearing is he's coming back home. He's coming back to He's Utah. coming home. Probably going to BYU if everything goes The prodigal Polly is coming home. The prodigal Polly. <laughs> Oh, there you go. <laughs> you said he's probably going to BYU? That's the word I heard last night. That debuts uh, on Broadway next spring. Oh, it does? Okay. The Prodigal Polly. Yeah. <laughs> Tickets are really hard to come Patrick by. Patrick Kinahan. No, exactly. It's getting a lot of well, reviews. Do you mean like lot Broadway Avenue, or do you mean Broadway? Broadway! Because there's a big difference. <laughs> when I say Broadway, I mean Broadway. <laughs> Tickets are hard to come by. It's getting great reviews from a wide range of people. You won't go because there's some singing and dancing. Uh... A live play? Eh. If it was was like your wife's birthday and she really wants to go, then you would just do it. Yeah, but we have clear and distinguished roles now, so (laughs) she she doesn't. If it's a play, maybe, and it's not based on the singing and dancing. So uh, I I love your theory here about going cross-country, and it makes sense, and we are certainly seeing the bounce-back kids with everybody who's recruiting. If you talk to any of them away from a microphone, they'll tell you, you never go off on a kid. You take the high road. There's so many kids transferring. Hey, you can do a year year or two, put on 20, 25 pounds, and be disappointed. Right, you never say you let down 9 million degenerate youth fans. (laughs) You never say that. You don't say that. No one ever has. I mean, that's a fact. (laughs) (laughs) So you got me there. A story, by the way, that I got. (laughs) I don't think I ever get to run for that. About the 9 million degenerate youth fans? Uh, you know, what was it? Nine was it? Nine million Mormons? Oh, that story you got? No, I I that story did not exist without me. That would have been a detail he kept to himself. Not that I'm asking for any credit. Too late. But I am. Absolutely. You're actually Jeez. demanding it. Both hands are in well, the I air. I just want the truth. All hail me. <laughs> I got it. Hey, I don't win any awards, and nobody has any idea that I worked on that story for 18 friggin' months. I just didn't roll into it. I had to work for it. Did your, You had to build a relationship with the family, in all seriousness. Over the phone. Right. For 18 months ahead of time. And then you could go down there, let everybody ask their questions, because you don't want to ask that in front of everybody, because A, if he says it, then everybody's got it. And you get no credit for it. And B, he might not say it because he's in front of a bunch of people he doesn't really know. Right. So I waited for the and L.A. Times off, and Orange County Register. Let them do their thing. Two papers that I was never good enough to work for. And then you roll over there, leaning up against a wall or something. Sub, how'd it go? <laughs> <laughs> and then, gonzo. And I went in the uh, hallway of the gym. Oh, that story I had. Then we came down here. It's a little bigger than I thought. <laughs> 
<laughs> just a little bit. But these contests, they have no idea how you had to foster it literally for no. 18 months to get to yeah. that point. Nope. And I wasn't a flowery writer. I'm a nuts and bolts guy. In fact, I suck as a writer. Let's call it is. Even now, never, I'm just a junior writer. But that that never <laughs> that never pays off. It doesn't pay off if you're in TV. That you you can't win anything for any hardcore post game package. You got It's got to be sob story and yeah, melodramatic. It's got to have music on it. Oh, wow. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, you get that. <laughs> That's nuts and bolts reporting. You be, yeah. So, but. Okay, I, but your theory, to your bigger theory about. I think these teams have everything. to win if they're going to keep kids in state. Yeah. Utah goes head to head with UCLA for kids. I'm sure they do. So. I don't and, follow and recruiting you, that and, much to know. And you look but I'm sure and. They do. The top high school kids, one's committed to USC, a couple have committed to Oregon, one is committed to Baylor, One uh, Carson Ryan from American Fork is committed to UCLA. We Where already told play? you about the three kids going to Virginia. Uh, he's a tight end. Is he? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Oregon State and Washington State have come in and gotten a kid. Boise State has come in to get a kid, a two. I don't begrudge any of them going wherever they go. But and there's my enough. My point is, you've got everything you need here locally. And there's enough kids being recruited now; they can't all stay in state. It's, Why not? It's a numbers game because there's too many kids and not enough scholarships. And that's not true. Yeah, Utah State. You got Weber, and Utah State's got a bunch of these kids. And Utah State's got. If you're not deemed a high-level Pac-12 player, which there's no embarrassment as far as I'm concerned, because one, they miss. The Aggies got plenty of dudes in the NFL. And two, so what? Not everybody can be. And you got an opportunity to uh, get a, a college education and play football. That's awesome. And Weber State, Dixie, you name it. Every, every place is great Utah as far State's as I'm concerned. Utah State's got nine kids committed in-state already, and there's still a lot of undecided, so that number might well be going up. I guess and I have a little bit of a bias being an Arizona kid and seeing so much of the talent just flee. They can't get out of there fast enough. Now, I believe a lot of it is because they're just so They're tired of 116 degrees. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's never going to change. In fact, it's going to get worse. worse. <laughs> it doesn't seem like seems like every year that they set a record, uh, most days over 110, most days blah, 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 earliest day to get 100, yada, yada. So all that stuff is happening, and they want... They want something new, and neither program at the highest level because they only they only have three. We have more here. They have two at the uh, CS and one, or I guess one at the CS and one at the two at the bowl level, and none of those programs have been consistently great to demand that you stay. And the Devils, at least anyway, could be and the Cats for that matter too, could be so much better if they could keep. And it's top-end NFL talent that leaves. So I have a little bit. It's a little bit of a sore spot for me. But these programs here, I endorse them 100% as far as having what whatever you want to be successful, they've got. Especially now with the, with the Cougars going in the Big 12, there's no more yeah buts. Nothing. I'm looking at it. It looks like BYU's got about 10. No, they got more than that. They got 12. And, of course, you don't know how many of these kids are going on missions and not signing right away. Now it looks like they got 14 commits here. 
And I don't know how many of them are walk-ons. Well, Obviously, walk-ons are now getting uh, the equivalent of a scholarship. They're getting the tuition covered by... Was that Coors? Is that NIL? what It was not. Yes. Coors Light. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, keep them in shape, yeah. Get, yeah, go with the lower calories. Right, exactly. It makes sense. Yeah. So you get that deal there. Hey, don't look at me like that, DJ. <laughs> <laughs> I get that it's his shtick. I'm just having some fun. <laughs> I appreciate that. Play with it. Play along. <laughs> We're supposed to have a good time. We're not talking about anything serious. So all those kids, mission kids, they're all every single one of them is Big Twelve. That that's a game changer as far as I'm concerned. What there isn't on this list right now are in state kids committed to the U. Now there are still kids who aren't committed, and certainly kids can flip. So this is it's not like this story is written. Uh, there is one, Luke Hyde. Sorry, Luke Hyde at Lone Peak. So the Utes have What's one. What's he play? Uh, wide receiver, kick receiver. Okay. Now the one that their Lander Barton is listed here is eighty percent Utah, twenty percent Texas. He's the number two ranked kid in the state. Obviously, his brothers both played Who's at the U. Who's ahead of him? I thought he was number one. Devin Brown, Corner Canyon quarterback, number one to USC. Your He's corner really canyon from Chargers. State, but, I know. Uh, <laughs> but he is because that's where he plays his senior year. Uh, when I, yeah, I've spoken to uh, the, the Barton family on this very topic. Mom and dad played at the U. Uh, sister's a volleyball star at the U. All-American at the U. Brothers both went to the U and have gone to the NFL. Yeah, yeah, and they're in, they live up by me. And so I've spoken to them, and, and my wife taught the boy in the 6th or 7th grade or both or something, so we've certainly known him for a good while. And uh, got a decision to make, man. And I, I can't say it's 80%. Maybe it is. I haven't spoken to him probably two, three weeks ago on this topic. Uh, but selfishly, I would love to see him go, go to the U. Yeah. His brothers were good. He'll probably be good. Lots of big-time schools are after him. There's lots of people who do this for a living, not like you and I. Oh, and They geez. all think he's going to be good. I talked to them on the, uh, at the ball game uh, a few weeks ago, and it was, oh, he just got back from here, and he's going there, and then he's got a trip over here. It's like, man, this kid is extremely busy, and he's being recruited by everybody. But it'll be nice to see, because I think that's the one thing that the one knock I have on youth recruiting, and they do so well because they, they're experts at identifying talent and projecting it three to four years, five years down the road. But the one thing is, is letting these top-end kids, I don't know, I can't even use the word, I don't know what the verb is, but having these top-end kids get away. go out of state. But I don't know if it's get away, see? They because, get away. Because, but <laughs> they do get away, but do, does the you let them get away? You see what I'm saying? They do get away. That's, yes, you're right. That's where you got to dive in a little deeper because you don't get anything directly for getting the in-state kid. And if you're getting a kid from somewhere else who's a little better, what, what are you supposed to take the in-state kid? Well, you want Just the best cause. kids you can get, for sure. Right. And there are still some kids out there who are not committed, and maybe they'll end up playing at the U, and maybe they'll flip some of these guys who oh, are Oh, yeah, there's still plenty of time. Uh, have you seen the running back of Park City? No. He's, he's pretty good. No he's idea. crushing at that level. Uh, no clue. Carson Tabarachi. He is not committed. Well, that's he's a cool last starting. name. Yeah. Yeah. He's listed as an athlete. He's got size. Kyle had turned him into a linebacker in a heartbeat. Like that? <laughs> like that. That and, and uh, Dallas Fakalahi. Did I say that right? The kid at West. Yeah. What's he play? D lineman. 
So, but if they they usually get good D linemen, if they've got good D linemen from somewhere else, are they supposed to take in-state kids so they have some magical quota of a number of in-state kids? That doesn't really make sense. No, it doesn't. But you still it want also the best. It also doesn't make sense that you would come away with zero, one, or two in-state kids. True. And ultimately, I don't think they will. I think that number will go up, but I don't know which kids it'll be. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Had some good stuff with Joe Ingles earlier this morning and some good stuff with Riley Jensen and good takes on the Jazz. And what does it say about the Jazz that they're now 3-0? and We'll get to all of that next and get you up to speed. Stay with us. The new zone lineup is here. Give it up, give it with the best coverage of the sports you love and the teams you can't live without. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 to 10, followed by Jake Scott and Ben Anderson from 10 to noon. Get your daily fix of Hans and Scotty from noon to 3. And then the zone welcomes unrivaled with Alex Curie and former NFL quarterback Scott Mitchell to the team. Weekdays from 3 to 6, live and local. All day, every day. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. Damn Slacker Radio Headlines brought to you by Lee's Heating and Air. Lee's Heating and Air, home to the award-winning line of American Standard Furnaces and Air Conditioners. Call Lee's now for their $59 furnace tune-up. It's a special. Or visit them online at leesheatac.com. leesheatac.com. All right, we got a lot of stuff to catch people up on. Joe Ingles, your takeaway there. He's in a good spot, and it's reflective of the team being in a good spot. He's individually in a good spot. There's so much continuity. Every player knows what's expected. Nothing is new. They are settled in the community. Obviously, Conley wanted to come back. Uh, and only been here a year, but smart enough as a vet to understand this is a good situation and they've got what I need. It's like we were talking about how for these youngsters coming out of high school, I fully believe that all the schools, whatever level you're at, if it's Big Sky level, if it's Pac-12 level, Mountain West level, or now going forward Big 12 level, that our schools here have everything you need to be successful, so you should seriously consider them. That doesn't mean you end up going, but they recognize that, at least I do, that these programs have everything that you need, and I think that uh, in the NBA, the word is completely and totally out that the Jazz have absolutely everything that you need and all this continuity is in, it's indicative by Joe Ingles coming on here and saying this is the best he's ever felt he's very very much at ease there's no anxiety about anything relative to his ball playing everybody's got stuff in their lives for sure but his, his job is he's so settled in and because of the competitive nature and what these guys are trying to accomplish and what they believe that they are trying to accomplish, there's no sorts of complacency whatsoever because it's, every night is a challenge. And it's a good spot. It's reflective of the team. I think Joe, what's the word? Symbiotic? Is that a word? Ooh, yes. That's is, a big word. Is, is that's ref- like a $7 word right there, PK. It's his individual case. You can project across the entire team's case. That's the way I see it. It's been really easy for them so far. They are way better in the bottom of the league. I don't think Sacramento was. Denver's pretty... They turned it on in the fourth quarter. Right. I felt like they were just waiting. But it was a challenge. And one of your guys is gone. It felt inevitable, and Joe was out. Really? Yeah. I didn't think they were going to lose the game. Mm. I'm not as strong. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying I'm not as strong. 
I don't know that I felt that. I thought they were going to do it, but I don't know. Like, like last night, it's like, okay, there's going to be a time. I'm going to be stunned if they lose this game once the big man went out for Denver. He's in the ball game, and the way he was playing, whole other story. Oh, he was, he was awesome. Yeah. The MVP looked like the MVP. 24 points, 6 rebounds, 6 assists is a really good game for most NBA players. He played 15 minutes. 15 he minutes. left in the middle of the second <laughs> quarter with a knee injury. We could all obviously see he was obviously in pain. And he put in a full shift before he left. If he'd have stayed, that had a 40-point triple-double written all over it. And the cool thing from the Jazz perspective is, I don't know that that would have meant Denver won the game. Maybe He not. was crushing it. But as soon as he sat down, the Jazz went on a run. As soon as he came back in, they started trading buckets again. And I also think the Jazz are looking pretty good here, and we're not seeing best Donovan Mitchell, or even close to it. Not shooting the three well. Turnovers, bad reads. He kind of self-deprecatingly mocked himself in the postgame. Kept dribbling into double teams. You think I'd learn something well, like, I mean, like that? I think everybody knows that's a great move, and so they're onto it. Yeah. So he's got to adjust to the adjustments. But he's Donnie basketball. I know. So he's going to play better. Nobody well, doubts that. We've yeah, gotten everybody make, saw the turnovers. The shooting percentage will go up. Everybody saw the turnovers. Everybody saw the one of nine from three, and we've literally gotten zero people complaining about it because they don't think winning. there's any point complaining about it. a they're winning and b it's not going to last. He's going to play better. My big thing with this thing of shoot the three, they were, they were talking about it last night on the broadcast. Oh, man, did Reggie Miller sound shoot like Shoot the three, yeah. shoot more threes, Reggie shoot four, Reggie's shoot like, 50. shoot more threes? Yeah. Let me suit up and get in on this. I'm okay with that as long as those threes are good Gosh, shots. Yeah. I don't want bad shots for the sake of shooting threes. Don't, don't do that. That bothers me. And if you're like one of ten, I... I have a little bit of a, a queasy feeling if it's a close game and you go one of 11. If you're 7 of 10, I got no queasy. <laughs> Keep launching. And shooting does come and go. No matter, every level, it doesn't matter. And those are the extremes, and most nights they're going to be 4 of 10. And if they're 4 of 10, then shoot more of them. If it's a good shot. Right. I, I don't like... Mitchell had one last night. You're coming down, you get the pass on the transition, you stop, you know, the old the three-on-two break with the ball in the middle. You practice that first day of junior high, right? And you you know, you used to hop, stop, and you make the bounce pass, and a guy goes in for the layup. Well, that might be a peach basket now. Right. So I just, my own personal thing. You don't like it when they run to the corner and a guy throws in the ball and they take a three? No. No, they're running. They're running on oh, the you angle. You the guy off the dribble, off the angle. He's coming fast, and he stops and shoots. It just no. I don't like that shot. Now, in the corner, if you get the ball and you're wide open, fire the away. Catch and shoot three in the corner is different than the off the dribble above the break. As or Locke e- likes to or say. even if it's a direct yeah, pass. The only thing I'll say if your is body that is going so fast that you stop and shoot. The only thing I'll say though is that with every passing year. What shouldn't have been done because it was low percentage, the GM, the analytics people, the head coach, the assistants, the player, they all get together and like, okay, that was a bad shot, but if you shoot that 5,000 times this summer, is it going to be a bad shot next year? I don't think they do. Really? No, because it requires too much work. That means you got to go down the other end 
and you got to sprint to the spot, and you got to have somebody's there with you, and you're shooting it. Yeah. I just don't think they're practicing it that much. Maybe I'm up in the night. You're practicing threes, but are you practicing that particular shot where you're going at at least 75%? Because I think that the three will be there. We will ask around and get back to you on that. I you think, think I don't do? think I don't think everybody does. I will be I'll be very surprised if we find out that everybody does. But if one or two players on a team are adding that, I would not be surprised. Okay, I'm going to count every time I see that shot now. Yeah. And they're they're dead sprinting and then they stop, boom, shoot and, and pull up. And they just think that's a tough tough <laughs> shot. All it your is. momentum, it's hard. All your momentum's going forward. I totally agree. Yeah, I totally agree. It's really Whereas hard. move the ball around a little I would bit. Be surprised. The ball comes back to you, you're set, boom, fire away. I would away. be surprised if the whole team is doing that, but I would not be surprised to find out some guys or are doing Or you're in the half-court set, and you're up top, mostly you're up top, and you're dribbling the ball a little bit, mm-hmm. you get a high screen, whatever it might be, and you step into one off the dribble. Mm-hmm. Totally fine with that. But I just don't necessarily like that one where you're sprinting, stop, shoot. What you're describing is difficult to do. I'd There's actually no rather have the dribble, because that gives you a little time to gather yourself and get more in rhythm. I think it's easiest to shoot the catch-and-shoot threes, and that's what most people Not to on the first. sprint, though. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay, so the dribble in the half court, when your momentum's not as crazy, yeah, yeah, as fine, opposed fine. to running on the sprint. Yeah. Right. You're running, because you get was, the ball, boom, yeah. you shoot. I did hear, going back to a previous generation of jazz players, that Darren Williams was told... You throw the ball to Kyle Korver when his feet are set. Yeah, yeah. It's not yeah. where he is on the court. Right. If he stopped, his feet are set, so now the momentum, Right. everything is in rhythm, Yeah. he'll hit it. Fire away. If his feet are still moving, don't throw him the ball yet. Hold it one more dribble, right. hold it one more beat, let him get set, then give him the ball. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Right. But that's also, we're going back 10, 15 years, well, probably 12 or whatever, years, and you can change that if you practice it. You know, the 10,000 repetitions we've all read about. And now you just doubled it from 5 to 10. Right. <laughs> well, two summers. Just invest the second summer. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Join Jake and Ben Friday at the warehouse from 10 to noon. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. Again? I, didn't I do boom earlier? Nope. Oh, well, boom, kaboom, boom, boom, kaboom. Today was a good day. Greg says, PK, I can guarantee you certain players like Donovan, Damian, Steph practice the hell out of that near full speed pull-up three and hit a good percentage of them. No, they don't. (laughs) Okay, fine. How can you guarantee it? Guarantee it! Greg's got cameras in NBA practice facilities. He's spying. That does seem like the kind of thing Steph would practice. Okay, the greatest shooter in the history I know, of the game. He got easiest, me there. He'd be the easiest one to go to. <laughs> and since we were talking about the Jazz, and he doesn't play for the Jazz, nor will he ever play for the Jazz, because he's going to retire a warrior. He can shoot any shot he wants. For, he for really a, can. Yeah, who cares? He'll be the guy who starts taking him from behind half court with 12 on the clock. I'm talking about most of the guys. You go to, you go to the extreme examples. He did hit one Jazz man, Donovan. Well, I just saw last night he missed it. I just think I think it's a tough shot, and if you hit it, good on you. 
Yach's got an open mic from Patrick. He grabbed the phone, used the app, used the open mic feature so he could share yeah. his take. I went in the other room. This weekend, Bronco Mendenhall will be held to account for practically ruining BYU football while he was here. We went independent and the game started being at night and not in the afternoons anymore. He also brought in the spirit jerseys. He couldn't beat Utah and he left the cupboard completely empty for Kalani. I think it's cupboard, not cupboard. The cupboard. cupboard. I like the cupboard. <laughs> cupboard. He liked the cupboard. That was the <laughs> well, it wasn't completely empty or they wouldn't have gone 9-4 and four the first year. Oops. <laughs> Just ignore our 2016 over here. Yeah, but that year before, sure. He did leave Taysom. So you had that going for you. And Jamal Williams. And Jamal Which was Williams. nice. Yeah, and Jamal. Now when you lose them, the offense starts looking a little different. Four nine yeah, seven, but six, it didn't seven, have six. to be. Well, it was going to be worse. It just didn't have to be mm. that much worse. No, they bottomed out. Yeah, but they're back, baby. I think they are. They're guaranteed eight wins this it year. It went independent, and the games were not in the afternoon anymore. That was a nice touch, and Bronco didn't have anything to do with that. <laughs> that got presented to Bronco. Bronco wasn't over there negotiating that. As we look back on it. It was inevitable, and it will continue to be inevitable. What will continue to be inevitable? This late starts. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. It's the time zone you're in. That's what they want you for. There aren't that many people who can play there. Yeah. What you will get is daytime road games. Your night games, that's... That's the way that's going to work. Or earlier but, time road games. But when you're forward. playing, yeah, when you're playing Mountain West teams on the road, you're going to get night games, and they're not going to play that many Mountain West games on the road. They can play Big Twelve games on the road, and the Big Twelve games will end up in those earlier TV slots, which I'll take it. And then maybe you can get one or two uh, home games that are <laughs> earlier, and then you're only looking at three or four. You Shasta trailer, too many kids and not enough scholarships. So kids, kids, too many kids, not enough scholarships to go around for all the kids. Nice huge Shasta trailer. That's the shots and the basketball, yeah, that's the, the rap. Shots that, and the Celtics and that's a great tune. Johnny song. Lightfoot, who works for us, former guitarist for Air Supply, uh, wrote that tune. We missed him when he left the company, but I'm glad he came back. <laughs> Those three days. Oh, for sure. Yeah, he's great at what he does. Uh, Greg says, get the complete name of that play correct, DJ. It's the prodigal Polly in his Technicolor dream coat. <laughs> Donnie gave him his blessing. That's good. Okay. I like it. <laughs> uh, as far as what does it say that the Jazz beat Denver, Adrian says, Denver had one of their best players out, and this was the second of a back-to-back. Nothing more. Three straight ho-hum wins. Now uh, the place- I think it's more than that. Oh, it's going to be four straight. No, but I think you can learn stuff. You can get better. It's. I've been saying this. I'm going to continue to beat this all year. It's irregardless of the opponent. It's about the Jazz. Slow clap from Quinn Snyder. Every coach ever has tried to preach that. It's not about them. It's about us. Let's focus on us. But some teams can only win if the competition sucks. True story. Like BYU last year in football. Okay, that was a joke. I'm waiting to see where you're going with that. <laughs> Just decided to give yourself up. That was the Ute fan deal. Yeah, I know. <laughs> All right, DJ and PK, we are out of time. Jake and Ben are about to sprint in here and entertain you for two hours on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.